Welcome back to Cooper Duper, Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jessica. I'm Mikey. And we are back. Part two. Took us another five tries to get the intro again. <laughs> We're, the wheels are coming off this thing, yeah. but that's okay. So part two. So um, when we last left you, we watched part one. Oftentimes part one and two are watches yeah, like this a is feature. The, I think this is the first time I've ever watched them. Independently. Independently of each other. And I didn't realize how much they kind of really need to go together. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it doesn't The first well. two hours are meant to be seen together. Mm-hmm. You you should watch now that it's over <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. If you watch it again, watch them together. It yeah. just, you get, even though a lot of it doesn't make obvious sense. Uh-huh. There's a, there's a whole full story arc feeling mm-hmm. that happens within the two episodes. The end of the first one kind of just ends abruptly in the middle of an act, like Right. And it's it's strange. But this is a much better feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start with uh, Bill Hastings, um, who we met last week. He was arrested. Mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard. Even though they have dinner with the... Andersons? Morgans. Morgans. Never can remember that one. Um, Don't worry, we never meet them. <laughs> uh, so he's in his cell. He's waiting for his wife. Um, she. He's also he's doing this thing that like you can feel. He's like l- slowly like dragging his fingertips uh-huh. through the top of his head, and uh-huh. it's there's something about it that's like almost soothing. It's just, self-soothing. But but as a viewer, too, yeah. like, just watching him try to calm himself down that yeah. way is, I don't know, there's something about it that I it's love. It's kind of like when you rock yourself. Yeah. Like, you just sort of, it's but just like, a self-soothing I, it, thing. It's like relaxing to me watching someone do that almost. I feel like it would be the opposite for you. Like, you seem like the kind of person who that know. would stress you out to, like, watch somebody be, like, in that position of, like, trying to calm themselves down. I feel like Maybe it's get... just, I think I, I know that feeling, mm. and I oh, start yeah. kind of you know, vicariously feeling it. Sure. Um, so his wife arrives, she passes along word from George Boutzer. I did not know he had a last name. Uh-huh, George Boutzer. Uh, that Bill will not, and who's George? George is the lawyer who you meet sh- shortly, and Phyllis is sleeping with him, and Bill soon confronts her that he knows about George. Gotcha. Um, so she passes along word from George that Bill will not be released on bail and he insists that he did not commit the murder of Ruth Davenport but that he dreamt he was there so this is sort of our first step into because this feels like reality for mm-hmm. a second here and then he's like I had a dream that I was there and his fingerprints are mm-hmm. all over there this this is the first time and I don't know that I put together to to me it feels like he his body was being used as a vessel. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is what Leland felt like the entire time Bob was occupying his vessel. It's like, I feel like I'm dreaming this stuff, but it's just dreams. So yeah, I, mean, I just it, have weird dreams, man. I, like, I'd, I'd be curious if, if um, Jordan Peele saw stuff like this and if this in, like introduced the concept or made him think of the concept of the sunken place from Get Out. Uh, of like, you're a passenger in your own body. Yeah. Passive passenger, obviously. Um, okay, so. But yeah, I, it's an interesting 
I did, like I always thought like oh is is there like can you make dream war- dream life reality or is he being occupied by some other presence? Oh, I see. So or is so the question it is was his yeah right or so the question is was his like corporeal form there whether he right. was mentally there or not and we don't know right and I don't know if we ever know. Do we know? Shrug. He shrugged. There's a lot of things we do or do not know. <laughs> and no is a very loose term. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis insists that he was there and reveals that she knows he's been having an affair with Ruth. He counters with the fact that he is aware of her having an affair with George and possibly someone else. Mikey, don't you dream that someday we're a rich white couple who constantly has affairs behind each other's back and then throws them at each other during fights? Because that feels like what every television couple is. Yeah, but... Only if we're fighting an inch and a half apart from each other. Why were their faces so it close? It makes for though? a great two shot, though. Like you get close ups and you get a two shot. It's a great long take. But they could have booped their noses. They were so sure. close. I don't. Also, I love. There's a shot of when they first go into the cell, when he or when he uh, Mackley first brings in Phyllis, and it and it comes from them inside. They're they're walking in. They kind of drag across. It, they close the, the the door and you see the bars and then it drops a little mm-hmm. into like the little hole in the bars where you oh, would like, like slick food and whatever through and they're perfectly framed up within that and to have that much movement and still and to drop it in and have them both perfectly framed and there's it drops when it's it's up high at face level because they're standing and then they sit and it the camera drops straight down there's no left or right mm-hmm. adjustment to make sure they fit the camera goes straight down their eye level or whatever and then it tra- the camera drops straight down mm-hmm. and there there's no left or right adjustments by the camera like they're perfectly framed and within so, that tiny little window it's great and so that's a credit to the performers to the directors to the dp Everybody. to the camera Everybody. operators like a yeah. lot of people had to work together to make yeah. that and and for a 10 second shot that most people wouldn't notice right. i love it i love it it's yeah someone someone designed that to happen the camera operators, second camera operators, focus mm-hmm. pullers made that happen. Right. The actors hit their spots exactly how they were supposed to. Like everything. Mm-hmm. It, like that's the thing I think would be really hard as an actor is to be acting in a scene, in a big emotional scene. And also, and also making marks. sure you hit your marks without like looking down at your feet and uh-huh. like having all of those things in your head and still trying to get to that place you need to emotionally. Mm-hmm. I would it's find so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So Phyllis taunts Bill. Detective Mackley uh, comes to dismiss Phyllis. She starts to leave the station and tells George that Bill is aware of their affair and she leaves alone, requesting George meet with her later. As Bell, Bill, as Bill sits in his cell, so they kind of pan across... Oh, Bill's, this is great. Uh, it's such a good shot. So they're Bill sitting on his... It's a track. Dolly track. No, no, no. I know. But I'm saying Bill is sitting in his cell. It's just not a pan. A pan is swiveling from the same axis. I'm so sorry. Tracking... Well, why don't you talk about it then? Because I don't a, know what the it, fuck it, I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's just... I'm just... It's a tracking shot, not a... Uh, it's a, do, a dolly move from all the way left to all the way right. Crossing over two cells. So we pass over two cells. One is uh, empty. And then the next there is what we are going to be known 
what we're going to know as Woods. Woods, yes. Um, Which even that is just assigned because they yeah. need something to call them. Yeah, like, they don't. No one ever calls them within the series, right? I don't know if he's credited as as such. I don't know what his credit is. At least in this episode, um, dark figure, according yeah, okay. woodsman. Yeah, but but in this episode, are they already called woodsman? Unclear. Yeah, I mean, but, I was just looking on. But this is the Jorgen Prochno character from Firewalk with Me when they're in the convenience store. The guy with the beer only these are darker and mm-hmm. more ash covered or whatever mm-hmm. where he's doing like the the weird knee slap thing oh yeah this is those same beings seemingly. yeah so they're covered in dust and dirt and soil yeah, they're just they're basically just painted black, black from head black to toe and white look yeah it's so eerie and there's something about thick the, beards and yeah, yeah there's something about the black paint that they use on their face mm-hmm. that is just like it it's like the perfect amount of reflective so you can like see features oh, without yeah. I, it. I can't even imagine how hard that is to do. Oh, I can't yeah. either. Um, and then their eyes just pop. Oh, it's so yeah. scary. Um, and then he, so they, you know, our camera stops on him and he disappears. Yeah. It, like his body kind of disappears. Oh, and then his head is like And a then balloon. his head kind of floats yeah. above that. Like... He becomes almost disembodied, in a in a way. It's mm-hmm. it's it's strange. It's yeah. it's a, it's so we've seen now a few times a character disappear, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been the same disappearance each time. Correct. Like Cooper, in the beginning, does that like flicker yeah, out thing. Out. This guy kind of floats away. Mm-hmm. We see in a little bit one armed man uh-huh. just yeah just, just disappear. Existence. Like there's. People are disappearing, mm-hmm. but in very different ways. It mm-hmm. isn't so seemingly whatever is pl- making them disappear isn't the same thing. And on all planes of reality, right? We see sure. them disappear in whether we call it the Black Lodge or the waiting room or whatever, the Red Room. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and I also... Do you know anything about the special effects that they use that David Lynch prefers? Because I feel like at some points they're making it like super 2017 like using a lot of technology to make everything look great and then sometimes it's like these sort of janky effects that look like they're trying to are the really good effects because honestly i think i think lynch just really likes these kind of janky low budge looking yeah things i guess i don't i mean i i guess i guess i assume a lot of the special effects are things that i don't realize are special effects whether that's you know, like I think the red room looks pretty cool in this. Like it feels bigger. It's they built a big ass red room, right? And so that's cool. But like, yeah, I guess that's not special effects. So yeah, it's yeah. just a, a lynching thing of like he likes. Yeah, he. I think low, it's just like it's it's kind of yeah. Like everything is this weird retro future analog. Mm-hmm. It's using modern like in the hotel room scene. He's that's straight up a a fucking Windows Surface Pro inside a briefcase, right? But then he just like has like the shittiest looking Google map. Like it was fucking MapQuest and right. goes into and is able to just like get prison doc, like prison mm-hmm. like information. Like, well, yeah. And we saw that, you know, uh, Mr. C drives like a very dope modern car. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And I love things like I love playing with, yeah. It's, yeah. With it's, time and space, mm-hmm. like Streets of Fire. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I fucking love the Streets of Fire. <laughs> it was so good. How dare it be that good? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so Phyllis returns home where uh, Mr. C, and again, Mr. C, I'm sorry, I didn't clarify it first time. Mr. C is Dark Cooper is sort of. Yeah. It's Colin McLaughlin, kind of a shoulder length. Like, once again, a haircut I've had many times. <laughs> they keep popping up on men. Um, and so he's dressed all in black. He has his black contacts in, makes him fucking too. He's very leathery. Yeah. Um, so Cooper's doppelganger is in Phyllis's house um, in her living room. He and said, this is kind of the first time we get any type of location on him. Okay. We've seen him drive around. Where is beulah's cabin oh we don't that wasn't like none of that is is labeled we see him meet daria they go to this diner we don't know where he is in the country our assumption would have been twin peaks but then all of a sudden we realize oh we've got south dakota we've got south dakota and vegas and whatever so like we haven't seen vegas yet but yeah well what we do in this episode um patrick fishler's seen behind the desk that's oh oh so we get we get Cooper, and we don't know where this Beulah's place is. We don't know where Ray and Daria are mm-hmm. until he then interacts with Phyllis, and you realize, oh, he's in South Dakota mm-hmm. with the Bill Hastings thing that's happening. Right. So he's around there, which is kind of cool because they made a point of like tagging everything. Yeah, and they kind of start out. I don't know if you want to say start out this like little feature film or whatever with scattering a bunch of different plot lines Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing which ones overlap and which ones intersect and which ones that's might later that's part of what makes this two-part episode feel whole Mm -hmm. is that okay there's at the end of this two episodes more or less everything that's going to be a major through line is set up Mm -hmm. um so Cooper uh, confronts Phyllis. He says that she followed human nature perfectly and then shoots her with George's gun, which he drops just before he leaves. Mm-hmm. And she ends up with, I just realized, I don't remember if this, they come back to this and they see it later, but it looks like her eye is missing kind of the same way Ruth's Ruth was. Is. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. So I don't know if there's a correlation to be made there mm-hmm. is, you know, Mr. C, the one who killed Ruth. I don't know. Unclear. All right. So, oh, okay. So now we're in Vegas. Duncan Todd calls Roger into his office and hands him uh, two stacks of money. And he says to tell, quote unquote, her, we don't know who she is, that she has the job. Roger asks why Todd lets him do these things. Am I doing quote voice well? (laughs) I'm also doing it with my hand so Mikey gets what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, Todd then warns Roger to never get involved with people like, him wink and roger leaves was the wink more effective than the air quotes (laughs) blam okay um so we are back with uh mr c he eats creamed corn garmin bosia um in a restaurant with jack ray and daria they discuss the doppelganger's alleged worry about the following day and information that the doppelganger wants which ray promises to gain from Hastings' secretary. Wants, not needs. I want. I don't need. Mm-hmm. It's a weird distinction and clarification. That's yeah, I... Yes. Okay, so now we're in the red room. Now we're getting some big, long paragraphs because these are a lot of scenes with not much... Not a ton of clear so the, dialogue. So the... 
the scenes where there's no dialogue are the ones that are really long in the recap. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, inside the red room, Cooper sits and Mike asks him if it is future or is it past. Is this our first time seeing Mike in the red room? I'm trying to think of the characters we've seen in the red room. I don't think Mike is one of them. But um, I could be wrong. From the original series? Ever. has Mike? Have we ever seen, up until this point, have we ever seen Mike in the red room? Uh, yes. He's in Firewalk with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't recall okay. specifically, but yeah, probably we've seen him. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm almost certain in Firewalk with me. There's a lot we see in the finale of season two that he goes different room, different room, different room. Mm-hmm. I assume he probably says something at some point, but it seems like he's kind of taken the place of the man from another place. Right. Like, as being kind of, kind of your Red Room narrator. Yeah, yeah, your, your spirit guide. Kind of, yeah. Um, so Mike tells him that somebody is there, and Laura Palmer walks out. So she's wearing the same dress we've seen. Somebody's before. there or here? Uh, it's not a quote. It says... Oh, somebody. Okay, so I think because I think he says somebody is here, which is really reminiscent of the previous episode when 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 the quote unquote question mark giant man Mm. says they are in our house now, Mm, mm -hmm. and so I I always kind of put you know correlation on that. Right. Um. So uh, Laura Palmer comes in. She's wearing like a floor length black, looks like maybe a velvet gown, like a heavier material with V neck. She's wearing really high heels, and she walks in. Mike and I were talking about this as it happened. So her first scene is she walks in pretty slowly, really deliberately, like locked eyes with Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, and we were just commenting on that means she did at the end of her scene after do because they filmed everything backwards and play it mm-hmm. backwards or forwards or whatever. So that means she had to walk backwards. Making direct eye contact with Cooper, not and able like to six inch heels and six inch heels and a floor length dress, um, and I just think it speaks a lot for her skill as an actor that she can do that because I'm not sure I could. So Laura Palmer, she enters, she speaks to Cooper and tells him he can quote go out now. She asks if he recognizes her, and when he asked if she is Laura Palmer. She gives the same answer she gave to him in the dream he had many years before. I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. When he asks who she is, she confirms that she is indeed Laura Palmer and that she is both dead and alive at the same time. She, speaking of lo-fi fucking special effects, she removes her face. So she like, Mm -hmm. like puts her palm on her face and moves it. And it's. Like, it really feels like a 90s-tastic kind of special effect of, like, her face, where her face was is glowing, and, like, she pulls what's, her face off like a mask, but it looks... interesting about it, and, and this, re- it reminds me a lot of the, the Photoshop jobs that The Onion does, mm. where the, whoever works Photoshop for The Onion, the news, the satire newspaper, whatever has this very particular style mm-hmm. where 
it looks really bad, mm-hmm. but it's really good Photoshop work. <laughs> like it's technically very proficient. Like mm-hmm. there's not like, Seems. you know how people do bad photos? Oh, I just want to throw someone's face so I like cut it out in word art or whatever uh-huh. and like slap it on. They, it's really well done. Like they match lighting and, and shading and stuff like that really well, which is those are the hard parts uh-huh. of Photoshop. That's what this is. It's a really janky looking effect done really really well Uh and that's what i feel like all of his visual effects are throughout this series yeah i think it's just it's done really well it's just kind of a bad effect Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not bad but like it's supposed to it's old-fashioned yeah yeah but it's it's i find it really interesting and that's what this effect is a prime Mm -hmm. example of it's done really well right but it's silly mm-hmm. but like yeah so anyway she does that she pulls the face off and she's just glowing radiant white light from mm-hmm. within um and then she puts her face back on like a mask he asks her when he can leave and she walks over to him and kisses him before whispering in his ear just like in his dream 25 years prior suddenly she screams and a force pulls her up uh the red drapes blow back and in his reaction is odd okay he looks like genuinely frightened mm-hmm. like it it seems like this time rather than in his dream or whatever she gives him bad news uh-huh or something because he's he gets like well, a genuine he, concern look on his face in the the first time we see her doing it doesn't she say who killed her yeah but that wasn't bad news this was bad news. Right. And which makes me think too, like this interaction has happened countless times. I feel like in the 25 years in our time, mm-hmm. time doesn't seem to mean the same thing in this place. But in our reality time, in that 25 years, this is just happening over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and he still doesn't ever get it and she finally says something to him mm-hmm. that makes him get it now what makes you think that it happens over and over the fact just the fact that like we've seen this kind of interaction before in a different time mm-hmm. and it's like that it's like the whole kind of the multiverse theories it's like the same thing keeps happening but slightly different but you're always going to get basically to the same place and mm-hmm. whatever it just seems to me that i don't know because because we pick up with him where we left him basically mm-hmm. leads me to believe he hasn't really gone anywhere mm-hmm. and he's just doing he just like he was at the end of the finale going room to room he's just still doing that mm-hmm. he's just in search of something yeah uh, the red drapes blow back and reveal a pale horse in darkness. Mike appears to Cooper again and asks him if, again if it's future or is it past, and then leads him out of the room. I keep meaning to go back and look and see if they did that take twice or if they just reused the same shot. Oh, I don't know. I didn't notice. Because the delivery is almost exactly the same. Because mm-hmm. the way he says, like, future, like mm-hmm. he has a very cadence. specific cadence. Yeah. And I'm curious if they use the same shot twice or yeah. is it a different take, but similar. Um, 
So he leads him out of the room. He shows him to the arm, which is now an electric tree with a fleshy mass at the top of it. Evolution of the arm. Yeah, evolution of the arm. The arm asks Cooper if he remembers his doppelganger and explains that he must be returned in order for Cooper to be allowed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is where you set up your main fight through the the, the through line fight of the series, which is this Cooper, which we assume is good cooper mm-hmm. wants to get out in order to get out dark cooper has to ha- you gotta in. yeah oh basically only one can be out at a time mm-hmm. so he has to go back in therein sets up the fight of the season or whatever right um but it's interesting like it's i don't know okay i don't i I'm, i don't want to get into too much in like spoiler territory or whatever okay. so i'll refrain so we're back in on Earth or wherever. Jack um, closes the garage door. So Jack is one of the people who's at the diner with, with uh, Mr. C. Um, so he closes the garage door where a car was u- where a car used by Mr. C's doppelganger is parked. He gives Mr. C the keys to a different car, um, and Mr. C grabs Jack's face and strokes it. So bizarre. It's so deeply weird. I wouldn't say stroke. He like grabs him by the cheeks. Yeah, like pinches it within his yeah. fingers. Which it just felt like a power move of like it is. I'm gonna do this to you. You can't do nothing. And I I think it's it's the like he was he physically ate the garmambosia in front of him mm-hmm. while the other guy was filling up on food. That guy was stuffing his face with a bowl of spaghetti. Uh-huh. And then, like, I think this is, to me, this feels like the transfer of the pain and sorrow that is Garmin Bosia. To Jack? No, from Jack. Like, to fuel oh. Mr. C as, like, this is, like, that's, like, their power source is the, the Garmin Bosia pain and sorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like that was, like, the transfer of it, and in doing so... That's how Jack dies. Gotcha. So it's it's his life force, Based kind of, but which isn't necessarily just pain and suffering, ostensibly, right? Like you got to assume he's done something good in his like. Well, yeah, but I think he's because ju- it sounds like all the pain and suffering gets pulled out of his body and then he dies, which doesn't seem to make a ton of. I mean, sense. I yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just I don't know how it metabolizes itself within Mister C. You know what I mean? Like he maybe takes everything and then only synthesizes what he needs gotcha. but th- it feels like he's taking from him mm-hmm. i don't know um so he goes to a motel where inside daria um quickly hangs up the phone and tells him she was just talking to jack which we you know it's a right lie. well it also we don't necessarily know oh that's a good point because he a we don't know exactly when that took place mm-hmm. b it's not 100% clear that he's dead. Okay. Because seemingly, I mean, he says he is a little bit later in that scene, so that's how we confirm it. Mm-hmm. But he squeezes his face, and then he kind of just goes blank. Mm-hmm. But he's still standing up. Right. He's. That's not how you kill somebody, as far as you and I know, as people. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe he's not dead. I don't, we don't know what he did mm-hmm. until he confirms it a little bit later in the scene. But... Yeah, maybe he's not dead. Maybe he is dead. What the fuck was that? We don't know. Right. He just squeezed his face for a while. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, so Jack tells her that Ray never showed up to a planned meeting and that 
Well, this, they, is, this is your part too. I just this is Daria lying on the bed when you got all excited and distracted. I wouldn't say I was so excited. I just, she's lying on the bed. She's wearing a bra and panties, and I was like, oh, that girl's a ballet dancer because she has like dancer feet. She's lovely feet. Um, and I looked it up. She was with at the. American Ballet Academy or American Ballet School or something but like, like that. But like, as soon as you saw her on the bed, you just went, ooh, she's a dancer. And I assumed it was like, because she's got really tight abs or what. No, she was just curling her feet in a particular way. Or or curling, pointing. Po- whatever. Yeah, she has very pretty feet. Which is not a fetishy thing. It's just, a, ask a dancer, they know. <laughs> Ugh, gross roo. Well, I was just, I the thing is, I'm bummed, because she was at the Twin Peaks Fest that we were at. Mm-hmm. Um. And I wish you had noticed that last time because I feel like that could have been a potential because you used to dance mm. in college and mm-hmm. which is why you're, you know, aware of these things. Yeah, I stare at feet a lot. Um, it's a fun But I feel like I that would have been a cute, like, this, like, I, I think to me, if I were a ballet dancer or whatever, mm-hmm. and like you say, that's a thing, you know, you can notice about somebody's good feet that's important to mm-hmm. your livelihood as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone were to come up to you and say the second you were on screen i saw your feet <laughs> i thought that's probably a dancer i think would be an amazing compliment yeah. to somebody yeah that's fair. so i think that would have been an awesome icebreaker had i had you made that you know mm-hmm. notice or whatever I, last time did we even talk to her i don't remember i very briefly barely her, and, her and george griffith were kind of who's which george one? that fucker ray no. <laughs> um we're kind of doing their own thing a lot they were kind of off on their own so okay so mr c tells daria that ray never showed up to a planned meeting um and that he borrowed uh, daria's gun before sitting on the bed with her uh holding her so they're kind of like snuggling Mm. what i mean snuggling makes it sound i mean she's laying polite and consensual (laughs) she does not want to fucking be there no (laughs) um Okay, so while they're, like, laying together, uh, Mr. C reveals to her that he killed Jack, and you can kind of see her, like, yo-oh, shit's about to go down. Um, She realizes her cover is blown. Daria tries to escape, but he restrains her and plays a recording of the phone call she had just had with Ray, revealing that Jeffries had given them a call to kill the doppelganger, a.k.a. Mr. C. The one thing I kind of found really fascinating with this scene and really interesting is when Daria, like she first becomes kind of aware of what's happening Mm -hmm. and she looks at him directly and says, are you going to kill me? Mm -hmm. And And with no hesitation, he says, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, it just shows you that like this man is pure Mm -hmm. evil. Mm -hmm. Like there's no like, well, if you give me what I want, then Mm -hmm. maybe I'll let, like, there's no empathy. He does, like, no, he's not sympathizing with her situation at all. Mm-hmm. Like, does not fucking care. He's, once you're, once I've used you for what I need you for, you're mm-hmm. done. And, and just, yes, I'm going to kill you. People are disposable to him. Yeah. It, it's, and, and it's such an emotionless, re- like, he's not trying to scare her by saying yes. She asked him a question he's and answering. he answers matter of factly, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to kill you. Right. Are you going to kill me? Yes, Dory. It's, and then she gives him whatever information going forward and she asks him again. Mm-hmm. And he still says, yes, I'm going to kill you now. Like, <laughs> so it's scary. terrifying. So scary. Um, 
she tries to escape again but he once again restrains her and confirms to her that he is going to kill her after another futile um, attempt to escape his grasp he punches her in the face and yeah that was ugh I don't know why like punch too lefty credit credit to to Kyle Kyle McLaughlin's left hook though (laughs) god um (laughs) punches her in the face he asks her to reveal to him who hired them to kill him but she claims not to know, but does say that they would be paid $500,000 split between herself and, and Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as a plea for her life, she says she would not have followed through with it, but he brushes this off. He says he was supposed to get pulled back into the Black Lodge the following day. Is this the first time we call the Black Lodge by name? I'm never sure what is, you know, parlance mm-hmm. that we use around mm-hmm. Twin Peaks to give names to things that don't have names or if... Like, have we heard the word Black Lodge in the show before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're, I mean, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, stupid. yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. They're looking for the Black subplot, Lodge. Yeah. The, the, the one question that's still up in the air or whatever is, is the chevron floor red curtains, is that actually the Black Lodge? Right. Or is that a waiting room to the Black Lodge? Right. Or is yes. it a waiting room and then... Some of those red rooms are Black Lodge. Some of them are just wait. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is all a little loosey goosey, yeah. but it's yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you just said loosey goosey, and I'm so confused by it. Well, you've never said those words before in your entire fucking life. <laughs> well, when I'm referring to something like the Black Lodge, you got to keep some light loosey terms. Goosey. Um. <laughs> So he said, so, okay, this is when we get a little more information about Mr. C, that he is an entity of the Black Lodge, and he's going to be pulled back into it. And these words, pulled back. So it feels like a... Not by choice. Right. Yeah. And not necessarily physical, more like a... And, and, And we've just learned that Cooper, good Cooper, got a, you can go out now. Now's yes. your time. You have, but you have to pull him. He's got to come back in. So we, he... So the Black Lodge Cooper, the Mr. C character, character or whatever, knows this. Mm-hmm. This information that's being given to quote-unquote good Cooper that mm-hmm. we know is already known to Mr. C. Right. So he, he knows he's supposed to get pulled back in. Right. Um, and he indicates that he has a plan to prevent it from happening, which is... Interest. This is sure. our first time kind of experiencing a Black Lodge entity that who mm-hmm. like is is it's not a theory anymore. It's yeah. this place and that he's, he's been been living out in this world for twenty something years. Well, is that the idea that yeah, that's when a, Good Cooper got sucked in, he was replaced by Mister C? Because they say that Cooper hasn't been seen since, but whenever. since since Wally was born. Since Wally was born, which would have been still pregnant probably six months or whatever after the end right. of... Because you see Cooper after the Black Lodge in the yes. finale in yes. the Black of the yes. Great Northern. Right. Um, so, but you see right before he leaves, the two Coopers hand on shoulders right at the exit of right. the, the Red Room. Right. And so we don't know which one got out or whatever, uh-huh. but... I, this this goes into what I what was always my theory, and this came about with the coffee thing conversation we had about the thin coffee, thick coffee, mm-hmm. sludgy middle coffee. Mm-hmm. This feels very 
I think we've got one really good Cooper trapped mm-hmm. in the Black Lodge, one really bad Cooper out of the Black Lodge. They're, the real Dale Cooper, I think, is an amalgamation of both of them. Okay. And I think... So you think he got kind of split during that last... Yes. During the season finale. Yes. Or the, the season two finale. Yes. Okay. Um, so Mr. C asks, asks if Ray got the information from Hastings' secretary... Um, and asks if she heard anything about coordinates, but she said she has not. So he's still um, talking with with Daria. Excuse me. Um, and presumably, then this those coordinates are whatever the information, quote unquote, he kept asking for at the diner scene. Right. What, what you know? Do you have the information? Do you have it? So presumably, the information is coordinates. Right. To what we don't know. Right. Okay, so she doesn't have anything about coordinates, but the secretary told Ray something. So um, Mr. C pulls an ace card out of his pocket with a strange symbol on it. So it's mm-hmm. a big black blob, pretty round, if not perfectly so. Big enough to cover the... The ace. The, the, so it's an ace of spades. Yeah. And it's all scratched up a little bit, probably just to scratch out the... Yeah. bicycle logo yeah, 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 or whatever exactly. brand the card is but then it's got two like teeny tiny devil horns. yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit like the owl cave symbol but you like put a big splotch over the owl cave kind symbol. of yeah it's like it's the the body part which is a very clear triangle in the owl cave symbol mm-hmm. is more round mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like two tiny little ears oh yeah but the yeah, ears yeah. are very it's kind of the same you know yeah a two-sided yeah, triangle I, yeah. but it's yeah it's it's a it's a different look and it's it's a symbol we've never seen right uh so he pulls out an ace he pulls out this card um and says that he says that is what he wants meaning himself that's what i want is that what he is that is what Mr. C wants. They do some pronoun stuff that confuses me sometimes. Okay. Uh, After one more attempt to escape from Daria, the doppelganger kills her. Hoofa doofa. Rough, rough stuff. So we're like digging into like the R-ratedness. Well, and what's interesting too is they even do like he he does the pillow over her face to prevent splatter and and muffle and all that shit. Shoots her underneath the pillow. He doesn't shoot her through the pillow. Yeah. Shoots her underneath the pillow. And... My thought initially was like, okay, this way you don't have to... And then pulls the pillow off so that we can see yeah, her fucking nice brain tight splatter. Up. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Like, mm. I, I really thought that it was like, oh, we're, this is a way to... Get around having... Cla- this- but not, yeah, I mean, they don't need to get around it, but like, to just not do gore for no reason. Mm, mm-hmm. But then again, like, this isn't... That's a visual... Like, yeah, that's makeup and stuff. Debbie Zoller, makeup artist phenomenal in this cool does great work but like that shit looked good really good yeah like like terrifyingly realistic mm -hmm. so mr c washes his hands he contacts who he believes is philip jeffries but the voice mentions that he met with major garland briggs and that he he being mr c or wait right Mm. i thought he asked mr c if he met I thought the thought Philip, Mr. C. Here, I thought this quote unquote we may or may not may or may not be Philip Jeffries. I thought he asked, or I thought he said Mr. C met with Garland Briggs. No, okay, I, I could be think wrong. So. I, I, I could, could be, be wrong. wrong as well. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, 
uh, but the voice mentions that he met with Garland Briggs and that he has called to say goodbye. I think Jill, uh, Philip Jeffries was a, was meant to have okay. met. And so we're so we're starting to actually. This is a good either way. It connects all of these blue rose and mm-hmm. type characters, the and Jeffries and Coopers and Briggs and all these. This guys. is we we talked at length about the Log Lady last week, um, and th- we're kind of starting to run into. This is actually something I wanted to bring up, and I feel like this is as good a time as any. So between the original series and the 2017 series, we lost a lot of mm-hmm. big players. Mm-hmm. And more sense. Honestly, even, yeah, more sense. More sense. And some, like, after shooting, before... Yeah. Ugh. Like, there's there's a couple of people, like, even before it was released, yeah. Miguel Ferrer, mm-hmm. Catherine Coulson, mm-hmm. like, filmed their scenes. I think there's even a third... Who died? Do you know if Tommy Heard was Miguel Ferrer ill or was it sudden? Like, did they do the same thing as the Log Lady? Oh, no, he was he was sudden. Okay. He, I'm looking. I up. don't remember. It was sudden, but not an accident. I think it was like a heart thing mm-hmm. or something like that, like an undiagnosed Diagnosed. heart problem. Because sure. like he, like they, I, I for this they had to work around his schedule a lot. They only had him for a few days because he was working on other projects also. Oh. Um, and so they really had to squeeze in all of his stuff to try to get, and he worked these like really long days and all this stuff to make sure he could do this and some other project he was working on. I don't mm-hmm. recall what that was. Uh, who knows if it even got completed. Um, but no, yeah. he died. At, he had cancer. Did he have cancer? Okay. Was it like, I, he might not have known? Um, like it, it, it's, it feels like it was one of those that like, I don't know. Maybe he didn't, but but then again, it took almost two years for this to come out after Pip filming, so mm-hmm. it could have been a quick cancer of some kind. But he, I don't know that he knew during filming. Um, throat cancer. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah, that's a quick one. Yeah. Um, okay, so died of throat cancer. Unclear whether he did or did not know. Right. Um, Either way, that's the, that's the, that's one it. of those cancers that you don't. Is it live? I I from what I I think that's one of those that like you don't live with for mm-hmm. fifteen twenty years. You right. That one takes you out quick. Um, but so so we have Philip Jeffries, who is played by. Um, David Bowie. David Bowie could not come up with it, and um, Garland Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, the actor's name is. Do you have that locked on that? Uh, Don Davis, uh, who's also since passed. Frank Silva. Frank who, Silva. He died a while ago, though. He died. Yeah. Um, but my my point, kind of. This is my point. Why do you think with people? I guess I'm specifically thinking of Sheriff Truman. So David Lynch has recast roles in the past, right? When um, Laura from Boyle didn't come back for Fire Walk mm-hmm. with me, he recast it uh, with... Uh, Moira Kelly. Moira Kelly. Why do you think... And I don't know if you know this. This is just speculation probably. Why do you think instead of recasting um, Sheriff Truman or any of these roles who they either couldn't or wouldn't be a part of this, why do you think he wrote around it and said, oh, this is Sheriff Truman's brother, different Truman... We don't know that. Or, yet, but. <laughs> oh, well, we, 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 we know there's two. We know there's two. Yet, we know there's sure, two Trumans sure. that they're both sheriffs. Um, or why didn't they? You yeah. know, why did he substitute this big weird tree instead of Michael Anderson? 
Yeah. And do Michael you, Anderson's still alive. Yeah. There was a the big falling out, out right? Um, but do you know, do you happen to know why, like, why those choices were I, made? My thought is that we're in a third, like, because Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me was a prequel, we knew that there was a Donna character who was her best friend, and mm-hmm. this was all leading up to, you know, so that week prior to Laura's death, she Donna was her. a person and was a character. You can't make her something else. Okay. You can't make her an electric tree brain. You know what I mean? I mean, I bet he could. <laughs> if anyone could, <laughs> it was David Lynch. But he couldn't do that in 1992. Right, <laughs> um, right. But I, so I think the easiest way around that is to just cast somebody else. Mm-hmm. With this, I think so much of this... Um, this series feels like a love letter to Twin Peaks and the fandom and mm-hmm. and other Lynch works that I think he wanted to like give like almost pay homage to the, the work that mm-hmm. you know Kath- obviously Catherine Coulson they made her work of course they made every effort to make that work and I think they did a wonderful job mm-hmm. um We'll see how Don Davis and Philip Jeffries play a role mm-hmm. as this series progresses. Mm-hmm. But I think it was an interesting choice to leave them who they were. And as we saw the them, and I'm not going to just recast it because that would be odd. Okay. But then with specifically Michael J. Anderson... He left a breadcrumb in the original series that he picked up, which is when you see me again, it won't be me. Which feels like such an easy invitation to bring in any any other human being in the entire planet. You can do whatever you want. He picked a brain tree. Exactly. Is he from Braintree, Massachusetts? I don't know what that means. Braintree is a town. It's in Massachusetts. Put that together, but (laughs) I. No, he is not. Oh, um, my friend Kate is from. Oh. Um, okay. Anyway, I think it was just a matter of like the easiest thing to do for Firewalk with me is to recast it. Mm-hmm. For this, I can get creative. Sure. I'm going to get creative. Sure. <sighs> okay. Um, but an interesting thought experiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he had to, clearly had to think about all these things. Mm-hmm. Like... We lost a lot of people in between. We've lost a lot of people since. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's interesting. Oh, do you want to say what you noticed the other day about um, Calvin Glockland's tweeting or Instagramming that he was? In his- oh, it it's odd that there's been a lot of, or at least two instances of Kyle McLaughlin lately instagramming or twe- tweeting or whatever i think they're all just linked so he posted to everything he sent when kyle mclaughlin sent a wolf, wolf, wolf. <laughs> of, <laughs> of more than once be once specifically from tweeds cafe which is the location of the double r diner uh-huh. and somewhere else in the in the snoqualmie area why is kyle mclaughlin in snoqualmie during a fucking pandemic unclear who knows He's from David, Washington. He is from Washington originally, but I don't think he lives there now. 
Well, I guess. I, I mean, mean Pursued by Bear is based out of the. Yeah, but Walla Walla, which is on the other side of Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, either way. Yeah. It it's curious that he's, you know, tweeting from Snoqualmie. Uh-huh. At we, this particular time, who knows? But and then we just got word a few weeks ago that David Lynch has a new, has filed patents for, you know, titling and stuff like that. He's working on a new show with Netflix. Patents? Well, like uh, or like copyrights on, oh, on okay. titles and and whatever. Like, I was gonna say what did he invent? <laughs> right, copyrights, not patents. But like, he's signed contracts. He's doing a new show with Netflix. Quit shrug emoji. So, you know, I don't. Who knows what that'll be? I've seen it was filed under the name Wisteria, but then it's also it's been changed to something else, and I forget what that is now. But a different title. So it maybe he likes the area and he's doing something. I don't know. It's and like oh, he's in the area ish. So it'll be nice. I'm Kyle McLaughlin. I'll go to right. fucking Double yeah. R Diner. People would get a kick out of that. But whatever it is. Lynch is working on something. We don't know yet if Kyle McLaughlin is involved. Mm-hmm. We don't know who is involved. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I, just curious. From meeting him briefly and just from a shit like this, Kyle McLaughlin seems like such a genuinely kind person. Oh, so nice. And he just, I, I feel like when you are so famous for one thing that is 25, 30 years old and still like it is still huge even though he's worked a ton in his life Mm -hmm. good for him for still kind of being a part of that that fandom because people are crazy about him well and what i think is interesting is like part of why he didn't want to do fire walk with me initially is Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to be agent cooper forever Hmm. and then i think he kind of grew into the lasting effect of that role and that mm-hmm. character and decided, you know what, I instead of trying to like I'm I'm more than that as an actor. And he is. He's a phenomenal actor. He's done Very some great talented. work. I I think he's realized that like I need to embrace the important characters that I've played for people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've done this for people and I'm I should start embracing it rather than trying to hide from it. Well, and it's and also he did it as, you know, a young adult, but an adult nonetheless, with a very highly respected director and a very high, like a well-lasting show. It's not like he's Ron Howard, who's still Opie to everybody. Like that right. would probably get old. Agent Cooper is a dope-ass character from a cool show. Right. It's not like he's being hamstrung sure, by sure. like pretending he's six for the rest of his life. Yeah, he's not Macaulay Culkin or something. Exactly. Yeah. That's a much better. Why did I go to... Ron Howard and Opie. Well, because <laughs> well, the difference is Ron Howard was able to overcome that by being a yeah. prolific director. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin is still fucking Kevin, Kevin McAllister. McAllister yeah. You know, like <sighs> okay, so but he's not only like learned to embrace it and whatever. Obviously, he's gone back and done this third season. He is like in full promotion of it. Well, he's he- constantly like tweeting like Twin Peaks fan art and like getting engaged like every, with the every, fandom yeah, all the time. Yeah, every TikTok is him doing something about coffee. Sure. I mean, he just actually genuinely loves <laughs> yeah. it. Him, him, him and David Lynch just genuinely love, love coffee. coffee. Um, but it's, if, if he's not like putting social media out about Pursued by Bear Wine, mm-hmm. copyright 
our no no copyright nope. but sponsorship that's sponsorship. the word I'm looking we're for. looking please, for you please, by wine. still coming in still coming we're still waiting on official word uh kyle kyle i'm putting that. a call to you bud yeah um, i don't know if you're out of touch with your agent over the yeah. new year it's but probably maybe... the, the pandemic the things it are is just probably, slow. things are just slow yeah. you know since you sent it by the usps, USPS things are taking that's a little correct. while but and it had to we go support customs. them anyway it's well, very and I had important to go through because i did send it to canada and then back down oh okay. just for security sure 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 because nothing stupid bit i hated that okay uh anyway he's fully fully embraced it yeah. it's kind of the same way um a lot of the town of snoqualmie was very they, anti yeah. twin peaks during the end of this show and right after because it was like this tourist trap and there and they felt like these rich city folk keep coming in and like taking pictures of us like like they're laughing at us in mm-hmm. our whatever little small town life. But I think, uh, you know, effort, a strong effort was made by the fandom and the city itself and whatever, the town, to embrace it. And and I, I a lot of that charge was led by the Double R, or the Tweeds Cafe, mm-hmm. who is... Full in. Yeah, they are fucking, we are Twin Peaks. Yeah. And I think it's God, right. like I know this so Salish Lodge hated it yeah. for a long time. Is that all these people would come in and everyone wants to wait? The Salish Lodge is the one is Great Northern is Great Northern. Yeah, but, but, but it's two... where the where the waterfall is. Okay, what's the one where they filmed the interiors that we went to? That we went to with oh, our friend the, on that island, um, uh, Kiana Lodge or something yeah. like that. The exteriors of that are. Blue Pine Lodge, which is where Catherine and, and Pete. And a lot of the interiors are from. And a lot of the interiors are, are like the Ben's office and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. We, have we even told the story That's about also where the there? big lodge, big log is where you find Laura, Laura's body and stuff. Yeah. When we went to Twin Peaks Fest, we spent a couple extra days in Seattle before we went down to Portland to, to hang out yeah, with Yeah. So friends. we went to Twin Peaks Fest for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Then we scooted up to Seattle to just see Seattle. Yeah. You had never been. Right. And then we went down to Portland to visit friends mm-hmm. for the last several days. So it was, you Which know, we a didn't week. even spend much time in Portland. We ended up on the coast. True. So. That's right. We God, went to was... what? Cannon Beach or whatever. Yeah. Cannon Beach. Speaking of other like famous locations. Yeah. Goonies, yeah. But um, when we were in Seattle, Mikey's buddy from like high school, I think, yeah. lives on an island that's. Bainbridge. Bainbridge. It's like the. It's. Ba- as you leave. To get on a ferry, you're either going to Puget Sound or you're going mm-hmm. to Bainbridge Island. Had you ever been on a ferry? No, you take the, the Chicago River. I take the, the water taxi, but that's not yeah. really a ferry. Yeah, I, I, I mean, kind of. It's I mean, it's a boat that's used for transportation sure. and not sightseeing or whatever. But I'd been I've been on a couple ferry boats like in the UK. But what I remember specifically is um, in Australia, a guy I was dating lived across the. Um, basically across the bay more or less i think they like by manly beach or something like that so one night after work i <laughs> i took a ferry over to him and it was like you know after restaurants get out so it's 10 o'clock 11 o'clock i thought i was gonna fucking die the <laughs> waves were bananas crazy and i was like i don't even like this guy that much what am i doing here <laughs> but he did teach me how to surf oh. mm-hmm. um Anyway, sorry. That was just like fairies are just so not a thing around here. Yeah. That the first time I saw. Well, we. I mean, we don't. I mean, we've got Lake Michigan, which right. is the closest thing to water we have. Yeah, we've got rivers around here. Right. Um. But uh, I was going to tell a funny and charming anecdote, but I can't remember what it was. So we're just going to move. I mean, on. we were just. Yeah, you were saying how we met up with Carl, who lives on Bainbridge. Oh yes. Um. 
and wanted to, because, and I said like, Bainbridge is obviously quite small, mm-hmm. but it's Bainbridge so Island is where cute. Keanu Lodge is, and Keanu Lodge is where that big log is where they find Laura Palms, right? Yeah. Which is just iconic. Sure. And it was and one of those. And it's still there. Like, it looks exactly yeah, the fucking same. I wanted to see the waterfalls and I wanted to see where they find Laura's Palm, Laura Palmer's body. Because I just, those are things that are ingrained in the images sure. that are ingrained in my head since I was a child. And I was like, it just would be really cool to see it. And I, I know it's whatever, 25 years later, but I bet it looks the same. And it, and it, Hell it absolutely does, does yeah. you know so that's awesome so i we called up my friend carl met up with him for a day went and got breakfast and whatever and then we crammed into he had a job where so he doesn't have a car he rides his bike everywhere mm-hmm. but had access to like a work van yeah which doesn't have any seats in the back so we piled in like three seaters jammed in the front seat but and it wasn't even it wasn't even a bench seat it was bucket seat yeah so you i was jammed like it with basically him. under like where your feet go yeah it was him, so uncomfortable. me you and, and his, his little dog. dog what was his name uh daphne she her name daphne. i'm so sorry daphne she had um, a mohawk it was incredible yeah she was great and carl drove us to the skate park first so <laughs> yep. he had to do a couple of rounds in there which is great and then drove us up to Keanu Lodge where we like to go walk around abandoned and, and there yeah, was nobody, there's nobody there. I, I felt so I, un- I think it was I mean it's a seasonal thing we went in the summer like that feels like it summer in, yeah, it was, oh, yeah remember because so. there was yeah, no yeah, AC duh. anywhere in the Pacific Northwest yeah, I just it, my memory is cold because I'm so used to seeing this area be like cold <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess so. But like, yeah, there was nothing going on there. I, like, cause I did not want, like you and I've worked in service industries long enough that I did not want to just like barge into somebody's place of work and be like, Hey, it's me, a tourist. Like, yeah, I'm going to go right. like fuck shit up for you. But literally yeah, walked we just walk around, around. You the can place. see all the like old totem pole looking paintwork on mm-hmm. the walls. All of that's still there. It was the big, the big stone fireplace, mm-hmm. um, that you see a little bit in the original series. Mm-hmm. And the pilot, I guess the pilot, not the original series, but the pilot, because yeah. that's the only thing that filmed there. Right. I mean, genuinely, like, it was eerie how abandoned it was. Mm-hmm. Like, there, were, I saw no human beings besides the three of us and Daphne. Do you think remember. Daphne thinks about me sometimes? Probably all the yeah. time. Um, anyway. Uh, she's probably pissed that you didn't remember her gender or name, but. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry, Daphne. I love you. Um. So anyway, back to the show that we're watching. So Mr. C logs onto the FBI database in the, man, when will movies and or TV ever get somebody look, being on a computer looking like a regular human on a computer? Because <laughs> he like boots it, like the way he boots it up is like this. Like as it's like turning on, he's like type, Just, type, type, yeah, type, type, type. Yeah. Like, sir, no, you hit one button and it yeah. turns on and then you hit other buttons. I, like you don't have to like keep it going right. like a Mario game. <laughs> Yeah, and and like a mouse has never existed in computer world in movies. No, no. Um, The one thing I will say for it that I did enjoy is that when it's like uh, login credentials, password, whatever, there's a third box of some kind. I don't remember what it was, but it was like gibberish. He filled it in, and it wasn't like... I thought that was the name. Was Agent gibberish. Cooper, one, two, three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of cool that, like, oh, yeah, the password is... I, I didn't think it was a password. I thought he... Because you could... I mean, that doesn't mean anything. But, like, I, I thought when he was typing in the username, it was, like, HD94, yeah. which... 
but it's it not seems, like it's a password. That's it seems coded. like that's the type of thing that an FBI agent or somebody like that would actually have. Sure, is something that's not guessable. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, do you know um, the first time I had been in um, in Seattle? Was, I was interviewing for Amazon. Um, they flew me out there. It was like the most adult thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but the thing in Amazon is they don't want you to be able to say like, to fake an address and say like, oh, so say you're an employee at Amazon and your email I'm is... I'm an employee at Amazon. And so, well, you have a moral failing, sir. That was... Um, Depends on what level. I didn't tell uh, you that. Uh, um the level that you have an Amazon email. And so normally, like, at my last job, it was Jay Greif at whatever, or Jessica Greif, I think, at whatever.com. Mm-hmm. And at Amazon, they do, like, yours might be M-I-G-R-I. Oh, like, everybody has, there's no set, it's not, like, first name, middle, well, initial, last name. Well, because as soon as you get name. spammers, they exactly. they realize, are you first initial, last name? Right, are you, are you full, full name? name? Are, you are you first, first name, name, dot, mid- last name? Yeah, there's options once you figure it out you can start going through the exactly. the database and emailing and it's just every one single of those person it never occurred yeah, yeah, yeah. to me it would be a thing but like yeah. you know my connection there the way i got an interview was our friend colleen and hers I, was like CEO, i remember like our, whatever our old ceo i used to and i when i used to work at the job i work at now when you uh, used to work at the job you work at now? well when i used to do like frontline stuff where i was just yeah. like answering cold calls or whatever from mm-hmm. people question you know customers we would occasionally get spammer calls or whatever, like people being like, oh, hey, yeah, hi, I'm looking for Rich Lee, who is our former CEO, which like you call a 1-800 number and press <laughs> option one and you think you just can get the CEO. It doesn't matter that like at the time we were a 200 and something person company, we've grown since then or whatever, yeah, but like still, still, you can't call a fucking 1-800 number, press option one to speak yeah. to somebody or whatever and then be like, yeah, I'm looking for whatever and be like, I, you have to entertain him somewhat and yeah. just like, oh, what are you kind of, he's like, okay, uh, no, he's not available right now. Can I leave a message for him? And they'll be like, oh, <laughs> no, is, um, I'll, ju- I'll probably just email, um, it's R. Lee at Lumen Company, right? And it's like, uh, right. Sure. Right. Whatever. Whatever. He's whatever not going to, like, would. The man doesn't read his own email. Someone does that for him. Right. Like, fuck you. Like, you're not going to get... But, like, that... Like, they think they're clever. Mm-hmm. And they think... The thing is, they think they're smarter than you by being like, oh, it's this, right? And you're like, we both know what the fuck is happening here. Honestly, You're trying to sell some shit. I think that's one of my favorite things about when I... The reason I follow true crime is watching somebody who thinks they're smarter than everyone in the room and they're not actually that smart. Yeah. And, like, sometimes they're, like, listen, criminals have outsmarted cops and I'm not saying cops are even specifically that smart, but, like, when you see, like... A, you know what we saw was the fire, uh, fire Fest doc. Oh, yeah. That guy had that in spades of, like... Yeah. yeah, ask me anything. Any like, I will talk myself out of this thing because I am that fucking smart. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's like, did you fuck I mean, this thing our, up? Yes. <laughs> Wait. That's how our entire country is running oh, right now. A hundred percent. My confident, like overconfident white men. Yeah. Um, Put a little pin in that. Uh huh. Because that's a overconfident theory. white men. It's that is always a theory. A pin. I have about this whole season, and we've talked about it. We have you know my talked thought. about we it. We haven't really met this character yet, but when we do, I will bring it up. But I have a, a whole thing. Did I thing. come up with 
theory, though? I did. Are you I sure? did, and it's... I told you, and you loved it. Oh, it sounds like a thing I would come up with. No, you just loved it that much, so you decided to try to steal it. Um, steal is based... generous. Legally, it's mine, too, because we're married. Sure, okay. Um, but yeah, I have a whole theory about, you know, shitty white men failing upwards mm-hmm. and how it pertains to this series. Um, those of you who've seen this already and know Dougie Jones, that's my whole conceit about what Dougie Jones is a metaphor for. We have not met Dougie Jones yeah. yet, so we'll kind of probably dive into that in a, probably not even right away, but in a few more episodes. Uh, yeah, we have to sort of once let that we kind of get get him to play out a little bit. But genuinely, yeah. Mikey, I would have bet everything in our savings account that I had come up with that theory. I think I no, because I told you that so much and I in my head. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that like. I made that theory my own so much that I think I developed it in my own dumb brain. We just talked about like Mark Frost being a very open liberal. Yeah. Like, and so that's kind of what I told And you're like, okay, that all tracks. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. I mean, you may have more, you may have expounded on like it. Like flesh out. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my initial thought yeah. of For sure. the whole thing. Anyway, let's get back to this episode because that was a tangent. Um, and I was so proud of us for like really blazing through this episode. <laughs> and then we have one paragraph to go and we're like, actually, I have some stories to tell. If people just want to know what happened in the episode, they can just watch the episode. Or read TwinPeaks.com. They come to us. For? Fun. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or something? I don't yeah, know. I could see. I have no idea why people listen to this. I could see. Well, good news. Not a lot of them do. <laughs> when he said people come to us for, I could see when you opened your mouth, you didn't know what you were about to say. <laughs> I didn't. That's why you knew what to do. And you came in and gave me a second to think about it <laughs> so that I could come up with fun. I was just, and also, by the way, our sidebar thought about, I used to work for the Chicago Tribune, and before you uh, get really impressed by me, I was paid $12 an hour to place classified ads. It was the worst fucking job I've ever had in my entire life. But all that's to say is I was on the other end of an 800 number as well, and once in a while we would get those calls like, you ran this article in the Chicago Tribune, and I don't like it. And I was like, sir, do you want to place a classified ad, or do you want to talk to anybody who can do anything? Because that ate me. There's this theory that, like, like people are very they just anti- want to get a person on the phone yeah and they <clears throat> there's a thought that if you can bypass an automated like the automated menu zero, is there zero, for a zero. fucking per, a reason like just because you're talking to someone who's employed with a company doesn't mean they can fucking help you in your bizarre weird stupid mm. probably wrong situation no okay anyway anyway <laughs> I didn't I'm going to say that was one of our better tangents because it interrupted not even half of a sentence. Like, we got through a clause. I haven't even gotten to the comma in this sentence yet. Mm. The doppelganger goes to the... Oh, no, excuse me. Um, the doppelganger logs into an FBI database, and that was when I stopped. And that was 25 minutes ago. And downloads files on Yankton Federal Prison. Is that a real place? Yankton, I think. Oh, it is Yankton. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. I don't know, honestly. Um, where Ray claims to be um, the doppelganger. So Mr. C, sorry, if I say doppelganger, that's how they refer to Mr. C in this. Um, the doppelganger goes to the motel room next door, meets with Chantel Hutchins, um, asks her to clean up Daria's body and to meet him along with her husband in a few days. Actually, don't say it. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when Mikey and I watch these... The you, line of dialogue that makes you utterly I upset. Don't, I actually don't. Why don't I go top off my wine? You can talk about it. It's fine. Okay. I mean, it's just, 
I don't like it. It's it. What's interesting about the scene is that like you get this whole long scene. He murders Daria. This whole thing is happening, and then he goes fucking one room over in this like hotel, and you're like, wait, what? It's yeah. just like it's setting this weird world placement that like, wait, who the who the fuck is this? And right. then and then you also realize as a viewer, oh, it's Jennifer Jason Lee. Right. She's probably prominent. Right. So this isn't like this is oh, her for, yeah this is her this first. isn't somebody else you're gonna kill off really quickly or whatever like oh she's gonna be a player uh-huh. it's just also odd it it's very odd so I I don't know this is a theory but like it seems to me that Mr Cooper very much rep- re- uh, represents the id right like oh, yeah. he's got no self control he has no like he says exactly what he thinks and what he means and same thing so she walks in. Well, and that that adds some element to the whole conversation about I don't need, I want. Right. Which is the right. it is driven entirely by want. Right. And so, you know, you don't he cuz he doesn't need anything to survive. If he yeah. he's if, yeah. ostensibly not human. Right. Or whatever. Um so he Describe some moisture issues that are going on. Asked her to clean up Daria's body. That was so much worse than the I actual know. line. Uh, he describes some moisture <laughs> moisture issues that are going on. <laughs> Ooh, you're nice and wet is so much less gross. Are you sure? Because you him. said that, and I like turtled into you my said shirt. He describes some moisture. <laughs> Issues I that think, are going ooh, on. you're nice and wet is much worse than moisture <laughs> issues. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yikes. Sorry. <laughs> to be fair, this is... I mean, we're really getting used to dealing in an MA-rated situation. <laughs> we're used to dealing with, like... Mm-hmm. 1990s cable TV laws, which are, you wouldn't describe somebody's vaginal wetness area. God, it keeps getting worse. Uh, Asked her to clean up Darius' body and meet him along with her husband in a few days. I'm not even prudish. I just don't like that. It's fine. Okay, so we're back in the red room. We see the arm. So the arm is this uh, tree with a brain in it. That I noticed for the first time today that it's growing right out of the, the floor. There's mm-hmm. no like, I don't know why I thought there would be, but it's just basically like a pole stuck in the floor. Yeah. There's no like root system or mm-hmm. anything. Um, and it, it feels very like, there's a look to it that is almost like neurons firing. Uh-huh. Like the way the branches are growing out. Like, I don't know what kind of tree this is. I mean, I don't think it's any tree that well, but has like, ever existed in nature. But, like, it's very spread out and wide, but there's no, like... It's bare. Yeah, it's, it's a, bear a bear tree, tree. Except for the brain. Right, which is kind of, Perched. like, top of a totem pole in the middle stem. Like... A totem pole is an interesting turn of phrase. I just... I just feel like it's, like, shoved on it. Anyway, it doesn't well, It is, matter. but, like, it, at the top of a totem pole is, like, usually, like, a, an eagle's wings or oh, something. Oh, I like, see what you mean. Just the top piece. Yeah. Um, but it's it the way, like, electricity seems to flow through this mm-hmm. and spread out to the branches feels like... It's, it looks like when you see, like, like images of, like, brain neurons firing It feels or very something. organic. Yeah. In- but also very electric. 
Right, which is an interesting way to uh, to present a tree because it's obviously an organic thing. It's not mm-hmm. like he. It's a like a. What's the fucking word? Not a satellite. An antenna. Okay. That's what I was trying to find. It's not like it's an antenna. It's a tree. It's something organic with, again, a blob or yeah. a brain or whatever. Anyway. And as we know, don't stand in water and hold an electrical cable. Electricity travels through organic material. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the arm says two, five, three, time and time again. So, More fucking numbers. Don't forget 430. Don't forget 253. Have we seen 119 yet? Nope, but we're gonna. I... I honestly, I have nothing to say about what those numbers mean. They must mean something. 2430 is a little more open. It's a little more like 420, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 253 plays a very specific fact. Like... I'm realizing now how little of this I remember. Yeah, 253 time and time again is referring to 253 and specifically the time 253. Okay. That plays. Okay. And that plays pretty obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, 119 and 430 are open a little bit more to interpretation. Um, so it says that. Um, it says Bob's name and to go. Like three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper... Uh, follows Mike out of the room. Mike disappears, and he, Cooper, goes down a hallway to another room. He exits the room to go through another hallway where he enters a room where Leland Palmer sits and tells him to find Laura. So this is our first time seeing Leland sure. since... Wait, was he in the finale? I can't remember. Uh, nobody's in... He's been in the red room before. Firewalk with me. Gotcha, thank you. Um, um, but he... This... This I like because this is another like pinpoint in my whole idea of, you know, an overarching theme being that middle ground of, you know, pure evil, pure good, Mm -hmm. fear, love, whatever you call those polar extremes and finding that middle ground. And it's represented in his hair. Because he has like... We've always seen him, him have jet black hair. Or bright white hair. And now he's got this like half gray, half white hair. Interesting. Because I was going to ask you about and that. And he looks, all he says is find Laura backwards. Uh-huh. But he looks like a Leland with some remorse. Uh-huh. Who's, Sadness. Yeah. It looks like remorse and guilt for what he's done, but also like. And maybe this is just me projecting that, but also Ray Wise is an incredible actor, so maybe that too. Yeah. I don't know, but it it feels to me in just this brief moment that we see him, and when we see the two-tone hair, uh-huh. a man who knows what he did, uh-huh. knows his own you know, role that he played in that. And the remorse that came with that. And the that. remorse that comes with that, but also knows that I did it. Mm-hmm. Like, it isn't just like, well, oh, well, sweet relief. It wasn't me. It was this it's entity Bob. or but whatever. It was his body. But it was, he. he's come to terms with, like, I think he's living in that middle ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what Cooper's goal is and or should be. 
That's so interesting because I I also noticed that his hair was neither right. It's black nor it's white. almost oddly like it doesn't seem like how a person. I was going to say I, na- I was, like it doesn't look like it's Ray Wise's hair now. It looks intentional to me because it looks like there's straight up black spots and straight up white spots, which isn't typically how hair grays. It can, for sure. Yeah. But if it does, it grays in like, oh, the temples are really gray, but the top is most... It's very like tie-dye almost. You know what it kind of looks like is the very first shot we get of the carpet leading up to the giant in this series. It looks like that carpet. The carpet leading up to the giant. So when we first see the giant, when he Uh gives Cooper all those 430, listen to the sounds, all those Uh clues, it starts on the carpet runs along the carpet and then goes up to giant's face that carpet oh, it's, it's, it's kind of splotchy kind of, it's like wavy almost in a way anyway so i, I, I mean i just assumed that that was just how ray wise's hair proceeded it to gray it's i mean according to this is from february this year like he it's just a pretty yeah maybe. regular salt and pepper it's not distinctive looking but but something about yeah the way it looked in there like it looks intentional almost but mm-hmm. also I could be just placing that on there. I mean I don't think you're wrong. I, I, I mean just according when I saw it I was like oh that's just how his hair naturally aged. I thought it was blotchy but like whatever I don't mm-hmm. know how people gray. Yeah that was obviously now I'm thinking that's that's an intentional thing so I think you're probably right on the money I with just, that. I I think this is. This is our closure for Leland Palmer. I think we see a Leland and and like And I'm not going to ask you if we see him again in this season. I don't want you to tell me. So but yeah, but we get we get a Leland Palmer who seems to be filled with guilt and remorse. Mm-hmm. But then the good Leland Palmer part is saying, "Find Laura, save her." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we don't know where she just went. She just disappeared. Sure. Find her. I do you th- think my re- my good half is now taking over to say, can you help save her? Do you think he's referring to eighteen year old Laura or present day, you know, forty, fifty something Laura? Forty, thirty. That is I I'll wanna get into that later. Okay. I have a my thought is that Laura is more than a human person. Okay. And so I think I think that plays in like Laura I think is kind of an entity more than a, a human child sure um, and do you think she was born that way or just got tapped? I will get into that okay. a little bit later okay um, <clears throat> so uh, so Cooper exits and the lodge begins to distort um, Mike notes that something is wrong. And did we clarify Mike is the one-armed, one-armed man? man? Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if we clarified that. Um, Mike notes that something is wrong and the arm arm being the tree mentions his doppelganger. I presume Cooper's doppelganger, Mr. C. He just says doppelganger. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that tracks. But we see that statue that's in the hallway with no arms her. and then they kind of she lost like one of her arms I think there was both of them were missing in that hallway statue uh huh and then it kind of uh dissolves like an overlay yeah of the two of them so oh, seemingly okay. that that's... statue is potentially somehow representative of the evolution of the arm 
I'm, can I say, I'm really glad we're doing this. This is like, this is the kind of shit I really genuinely, like, this is why I liked being a lit major of like, let's just talk about what the author intended and whether it worked or whatever. Like I, and, and I think the only other experience you've had of this is listening to like, how did this get made? No, <laughs> which, but I mean, which is I, the same concept, but it's also like, what the fuck was that? I mean, this is actually like, oh, but here's the intentional thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it, it, it feels it's very a different feeling when it's like showing how good something is rather than like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I mean, but it's just very much like being in a good book club sure. or being in a lit class of like, let's delve into this mm-hmm. and then carve it up. Because uh, yeah, that's that's so totally my jam, and I'm I feel like I'm going to love season three even because uh, season three was what it was for me, like. It was a lot of shit happening. I, there were things I liked. I was confused most of the time. It's it's interesting to me. Be, I, I adore season Of course three. you do. I love it. I, for the most part, don't have any answers. I would guess there aren't I, maybe, answers to be had. And, and maybe I'll get there one day. Maybe it'll take 25 years. But I think there's a lot of stuff in this that I just like. Like, making note of that. Like, oh, presumably the statue is somehow representative of the art. What does that mean? Maybe nothing. Yeah. Well, and Probably I, nothing. I also... But I like trying to put those pieces... Like, it's like an... It's it's like building a puzzle that's never-ending. Mm-hmm. Like, you just keep putting in new pieces, well, but you don't know what the image is. There's yet. also, like, studying... You know what it is? It's building a puzzle upside down. I can see where pieces fit. But I don't know what the image is yet because it's upside down. It's a good metaphor. Um, I was just thinking one of the things I loved about about studying literature was using various lenses. Uh, and so I tend to approach most things from like... Lenses are for cameras. No, Michael. Michael. A metaphorical lens. Oh. Yeah. I have a lot to teach you. I learned a lot when I was 19 and reading The Great Gatsby. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But, but there, I, I find things very fascinating that you can read read or watch or whatever something through a feminist lens through mm. a pacifist lens through a this guy represents the id and everything else is that that to me is extremely interesting mm-hmm. i um and so this is i, I think i'm going to really enjoy seeing the duality which we see a lot uh, the the sort of meshing yeah. center part like can the center hold all that stuff i i think i'm really gonna enjoy this time around you you just mentioned great gatsby and i, I, I did have you ever heard that theory i heard that great that um nick is black yeah or gatsby and ha- is black yeah gatsby gatsby is black i love that theory. and i have you read it since hearing that I, um, i'm curious because I, I read it in high school and we had to i probably skipped several chapters yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I i last read it probably god I forgot how time happened. Sure. We've lived in here, but for I so like long. the idea. I, I'm like, I'm curious Probably about five like, years ago what would it be out. like reading it with that lens? And from people, uh, from what I've heard, it's one of those things that like, holy shit, it changes everything. What great? And I like that, and yeah. I'd be curious to revisit something like that. But like, those are things you can't do with film. Yes, I unless you refilm it. I can't be like, what if Agent Cooper was black? Yeah. Like that, you can't because do sometimes that. That's not a lens, you, you but you can make, make up backstories of maybe he's not human. Maybe this mm-hmm. is a dream. Love maybe, shit like that. Maybe you can do Love things like that. like that. But yeah. yeah, so Great Gatsby is really formulative for me. I read that was there's a passage um, in the Great Gatsby when they describe um, 
God, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's the first time he kisses Daisy. Um, and it's just this really beautiful paragraph that is just, yeah, I kind of want to look it up, but I don't know if I'll be able to find it quick enough, but um, about, oh, I'm going to look it up. Mikey's going to the bathroom. Why am I narrating this? I'm going to cut it out. So The Great Gatsby is something that was was super formulative to me. I, I read it the first time in American Lit, I would have been a junior. And you know what? Uh, Mr. Anderson, who is... Aww. So this is so random, but Mikey and Mikey's six years older than me. We had a shared teacher who we were both really close with. He was a coach. He was a coach. group and yeah. coach for me. Mr. Anderson was his name. He was my lit teacher. He was the head of the English department. Different schools. Different schools, different years. Um, and actually when I, when Mikey and I started dating and like... I didn't even know he had transferred to another school i mean you don't tend to keep track right well eh, well especially before facebook or whatever um i still say today do you know i still play words with friends with him every day you've told me that i Um, didn't know it was that frequent but yeah yeah it's literally like we just have had an ongoing game for 10 years and Um, how was our old english teacher at words (laughs) better than me okay good can you believe it um good (laughs) anyway uh so i read i remember so specifically reading this in class I don't know if this is interesting for anybody besides me, but it's it's Gatsby remembering the first time he uh, he kissed Daisy, who is his sort of like long lost love. Um, and I remember so specifically reading this. In, I was in theater in high school, not to shock anybody, but I severely need attention. But I was reading it while we were in like basically our green room. And I remember going around to all my friends and making them read it. Like, this is the best paragraph I've ever read in my entire... Like, genuinely, I think that was the reason I decided to study literature. Because that passage just, like, sat with me in a way of, like, oh, fuck yeah. Um, So the quote is, uh, He knew that when he kissed this girl and forever wed his unutterable visions to her, to her perishable breath, his mind would never romp again like the mind of God. So he waited listening for a moment longer to the tuning fork that had been struck upon a star. And then he kissed her. At his lips' touch, she blossomed for him like a flower, and the incarnation was complete. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I just, that sounds so fucking pretentious to me. (sighs) She blossomed for him like a flower to me. Like, when I was 16 and read that, oh my god. I still think it's beautiful. To me, it feels like, when people fell in love with Garden State. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, oh my God, this movie gets me. I kind of want to dig you watch back it into those. 15 years later and you're like, oh yeah, because I was fucking 19. Yeah, duh. Oh yeah, and that was like peak Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Sure, like yeah. Oh my God, she's so quirky. She's so quirky. And like, maybe it's still a well-made movie and stuff. I haven't seen it in many, many years, but like. Uh, I think I know what we're doing tonight. Oh God. Are we? I don't know. Um, but anyway, point being like, there's, there's poor, there's sentences in there that are, some of it is to me wordy and over the top. Um, I I mean, it's, it's floral language, forgive the pun, but it's, I I think it is done well. Um, I mean, it's regarded as one of the greatest novels in the history of time. (laughs) So who the fuck am I? But I'm not... But, I like that you and I are going to decide whether this book is good right, right but now. That's my, but that's, no, that's, a bunch of half that's, drunk. But no, that's my point is that like I watch I, or I, I don't read because You're not a to me, if I read that, I'm like, 
A, I either don't fucking understand it, mm-hmm. or B, it sounds fucking over the top and fucking pretentious. Just just tell me the thing. You don't have to fucking. Yeah, I, I feel I like. I don't like word pictures that people try to paint. Which I fucking is my hate that. Like, fucking jam. just tell me the thing or don't. Mm-hmm. But I love imagery. I love seeing. I want to see the image and then digest it. Well, and I wonder if this is sort of the cause of kind of like my current renaissance I'm having with like, I'm obsessed with like. Uh, dream logic movies and things mm-hmm. like that because I think I'm finally getting myself to watch and appreciate movies for what for what their own kind of art mm-hmm. which it, it's not to say I didn't like I love movies like I've always watched movies but like right now I feel like I'm having like a personal moment of just sort of being able to sink in the way I can with the book I can easily yeah. like dive into a book movies I assume because of my ADD or what the fuck ever I have a hard time locking in, mm-hmm. um, and I think recently I've sort of been able to focus more and like get it and, and things like that. Oof. Okay, twenty three, two fifty three, time and time again. Uh, Leland Palmer talked about him. Logic begins to distort. Okay, Mike notes something is wrong, and the arm mentions his doppelganger. So it's just his doppelganger. That's how we got in our weird sidetrack. Cooper goes back in the hallway, pulls back a curtain, seeing a road where uh, Mr. C, his doppelganger, is driving. The lodge shakes as the arms doppelganger replaces the statue and roars at him as the chevron floor shifts. So this is interesting. I I sort of enjoy this because it's the, the, the chevron, black and white floor, the red curtains have always been pretty stagnant. Mm-hmm. Like we see him go in and out of the curtains, mm-hmm. right? But it's always pretty like this is just a so-called physical room mm-hmm. but then to see this sort of chevron kind of like shifting the apart the black and the white separate uh-huh. from well, each yeah, other yeah the way yeah. you would naturally think something was and that's a just for what it's worth a, a it's not a it's you know and it's not tom cruise doing stunts but it's a stunt mclaughlin did himself it's like falling down of like they they basically he stands on a white piece and a black piece of chevron they mechanically start to open and then and he, he jumps mm-hmm. into the water in the God, inside what, he's in his 50s at this yeah, point like yeah. good I mean, for him I mean, so is tom cruise but well he's tom cruise he's yeah. scientology magic uh, that's true that's true <laughs> and his center tooth that oh, really God. helps him along the way uh but yeah no so that's a thing and then he yeah falls into non-existence yeah i guess falls away yeah um the arms doppelganger says Jim blossoms when i fall away song now i don't know that song oh. will you sing it for me good joke classic no i know the one jim blossom song that you probably knows. there's several jim blossoms jim blossoms are great man i like the jim blossoms i remember <laughs> seeing him i remember seeing the jim blossoms play this is gonna tell you exactly how old i am i was probably eight or nine when they played on snl oh so it was probably 93 96 95 okay so i was between eight and yeah. ten and I saw Jacob Dylan, who is the lead. Nope, s- no band. God damn it! What am I thinking of? Wallflowers. Fuck me. Wallflowers suck. Jim Blossoms were great. <laughs> I don't know the difference. I've gotten those two mixed up my entire life, yeah, and now and it's you've locked done it in. I've done it before yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Jim Blossoms are like Hey Jealousy and Allison Road and stuff like and that. And you like those songs or don't Love like those songs? Them. Great. And you don't like I don't give a shit Wallflowers. Yeah. Are they the one headlight? One head left. Anyway, I remember seeing Jacob Dylan, and I thought I've never seen a man so attractive and so sad looking. 
He just has like he's, it doesn't he's got a face that doesn't emote. Does not didn't you watch a doc that he like hosted and it's like this man should not uh, be yeah. interviewing people? It's, yeah, he, he's a talented musician, he's extraordinarily handsome, but he has yeah. dead face. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, God, I thought we were gonna get in and out of this one. The log shakes, zip, 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 zip. zip. The uh, the arms doppelganger says non-existent, like it's. Well, he did bre- I say it good? Non-existent. Oh, okay. Like he just breaks up the syllables, okay. basically. They only. And, but it like captions it, so there's dashes in between. Oh, okay. Then because the, it's non-hyphen exist yeah. comment end. Because they break up the like they they caption. All the backwards talk, yes. which they've always done. Thankfully. To make sure you understand it completely, but <laughs> to make sure you understand exactly what it <laughs> means. Otherwise, because you might be confused you by might the get show. lost. Yeah, and we don't want that. <laughs> um, but it's, he, he breaks it, he speaks it loud and big. Do you know who does the voice? I don't. Um, Cooper's dropped through the floor. He's transported to that the glass box from earlier. Well, he falls through this really cool space first. Of like, yeah, so we're going to see a lot of Cooper it's, in space. It's not space, space, but it's they're star-like objects floating around. It makes like, you think it's not space. They're not stars, and they're really close together oh, and see. small. You so, oh, okay, so I saw that and assumed it was stars from far away, and maybe I didn't notice. They were like, if they're physical... stars from far away, where are the closer stars, and where the fuck is he? Because he's not, if they were far away, it means he would be below them. He's falling through them because they're turning to lines, well, whatever space he's is fa- three dimensional. But what he's falling through, okay. I it's a, it's a weird space. This is, and then he lands on the protruding part of the glass box mm-hmm. from the New York. Location, the New York location where, where we saw Sam and Tracy, right? Um, and so he, and so he ends up in that gla- glass box. We see Sam and Tracy go in, so we understand, and we kind of it's inter interspersed into that actual scene of sure. Oh, I have two lattes. Can I come in since he's not shot here? a little differently? Is you it? See, it's not. A, well, you see from inside the room that the door is open. Oh, I see. So you're seeing kind of like different angles of mm-hmm. that same. You're seeing, instead of seeing Sam's perspective of what's outside the room, and then he's outside the room, so now you're seeing his perspective outside the room, mm-hmm. you're seeing the room's perspective of what's happening. Gotcha. So um, while he was out talking to Tracy and mm-hmm. looking for the missing security guard, mm-hmm. that's when Cooper showed up. And so Cooper ends up in this box, and he's... I, I, I assume this is who they saw, but they saw him differently. No. No. Well, then I, you I th- tell me what's happening. I, I don't think so. I think they didn't see. They just missed him because he wasn't in the room when this happened. And by the time he got back was, in the room, Weren't they he left. sitting on the couch when he was doing that? They're like no. bigger and No? They're oh, still okay. out in the in the lobby. I see. I, he is not. The, like, the, he just missed this. He should have seen it. Gotcha. But because Tracy came he's there. terrible at his job. Right. Well, I mean, he. <laughs> The three seconds that he decides to go outside well, and whatever, well, tra- yeah. What, um, what's this shady billionaire paying for him? So here's paying him for here's him. here's how I think that timing breaks down. Okay. You see, Mister C, who says, "Um, I'm supposed to go back in, but I've got a plan for that." Okay. We know Mister C has a lot of money based on the cars that he's driving. Mm-hmm. 
this guy falls in, Cooper, goes into this room. So my thought is Mr. C is the mysterious billionaire. Okay. Created this space, created this room because he knew at a certain point in time Cooper was going to leave. This would trap him. Cooper would be in this glass box when that other figure showed up, which shows up. Okay. So, so Sam and Tracy go back into the room and then start to make out. Then they see that figure. Uh-huh. That figure would annihilate Cooper. Okay. And Mr. C would be able to stay out forever. Sending him back to the Black Lodge or just obliterating? Who's him? Uh, Cooper. Don't know. Good Cooper. I okay. don't know what the exact plan would be there, but seemingly trapped in the box at the same time would be this evil entity of sorts mm-hmm. and good Agent Cooper. Okay. Um... That's my thought. I mean, I, that completely makes sense. And I think the timing was just a little bit off. Uh-huh. And Cooper would be, be maybe because so maybe because Sam wasn't in that room to but the keep him were still on. keep him locked there. Are we gonna see? Maybe maybe there's a lock that he could have done to keep him from leaving, from getting sucked back out. Sure. You know, maybe there was a way to keep him in that box, and then the other figure would sure. have come in. Maybe not. I don't know, mm-hmm. but. Because Sam wasn't there to do anything, Cooper was able to get out of I don't know that Sam would have done any... We don't know what his entire... I don't know. I mean, I assume he's just monitoring and making sure those cameras are consistent. Maybe his timing was just a little off, too. Like, maybe Mr. C's timing was just off and he... Sure. But I think he wanted the two of them to be in that same space together. Mm -hmm. Either way, this box was built... Maybe, maybe, Maybe he had nothing to do with the other figure later. But this box was there to try to catch Cooper. Okay, that makes sense. So next we have um, our first sighting of Sarah Palmer in this series, season. Mm -hmm. Um, She's at home in the house that she's lived in all Mm -hmm. her life. Or not all of her life, all the time we've known her. Um, She's watching some documentary of lions killing um, an African buffalo, like a water buffalo. That's On a giant TV. Huge TV. That's just blocking the fireplace can oh i didn't notice it it's blocking something i thought it was just like it's just in front of the fireplace so instead of the having that fireplace in the room big tv big tv in front of it which so i don't know if that's meant to block fire or whatever if there's some symbolism there or something but i remember or it's just where else am i gonna put the giant tv sure i remember very little about of sarah palmer's story in this season but i have a couple thoughts on the scene Um, One is that, from what I could remember or grasp, it looks like the house is decorated the same. Like, she has not redecorated since. So, which made me immediately realize, which I I, I do think, and you've said this all the time, how underutilized Sarah Palmer is. I do think that the story of a woman who had both her daughter and husband fucking pulled away from her within... In the most tragic ways possible. Most tragic way on both parts. Yeah, exactly. Your exactly. husband killed her daughter, then your husband... And, and then you found out he was... He, all of it. Uh, all monster. of it is just god-awful. Um, and I... I mean, maybe maybe it was just too heavy for the story they wanted to tell, because I feel like they do try to, like, make... Keep Twin Peaks a little bit not horrible all the time. But I would like to see the journey of this... 40-something, 50-something woman whose entire life was pulled from her. Mm-hmm. And now fucking what? Like, what do you do next? And I don't I don't know. You and drink. I, 
You drink and you watch horrible images on TV. And smoke all of the cigarettes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like seemingly this shot, like kind of the way I was saying how it seems like, oh, Cooper and Laura just keep having the same conversation in the Red Room over and over and over again. She's not progressed. This seems like the same thing. This is what Sarah Palmer does over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Watches whatever violent imagery she can on TV while drinking and fucking smoking. That's interesting because I th- I think what you say makes a lot of sense. And I'm not disagreeing with you. But my initial thought was that the, um, the lions and the buffalo, the hunting thing, was representative of Mr. C, who doesn't... And the way I think of it is this, of death and murder and whatever is part of the circle of life, as we all learned from The Lion King. So... <laughs> So these lions killing this buffalo are not doing it out of malice or spite or whatever, but mm-hmm. that's just what they do. That's how they have mm-hmm. to continue moving forward the way a shark just has to keep swimming. Mm-hmm. They just have to kill these animals to eat them and continue forward. To me, that feels very true of Mr. C because when he talked about, yes, I'm going to kill you, he didn't seem gl- he didn't feel like a like a like sure. a Ted Bundy type of like yes I this is where I it get my shit. It wasn't something he wanted to do. It's, it yeah. is what's about to happen. It's very practical, and I think that's an interesting thing that happens in the animal kingdom. That so, what does that have to do with Sarah Palmer? In your oh, I didn't necessarily connect it back to her. I just thought seeing images of violence that wasn't unnecessary. It's not unnecessary violence. Sure. It's absolutely no, necessarily violence. It's absolutely necessary violence, but it just—it's just how you keep going. Are you are you implying that Sarah Palmer needs the violence to keep herself on track? Is that what you? I I I think based on information we get later and things like that, Which there's cannot there's be clear enough. Do not remember direct connection. Is there? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um. So anyway, that was Sarah Palmer watches footage of African lions. Um. Okay, so we go back to the roadhouse. And it's but it's a, it's also a really like he kind of plays Lynch plays on the the early bit of we caught Bob briefly in a mirror, you know, from the whatever when she okay. like there's a, there's mirrors are still behind her and she's like just watching this and so you, the framing of the shot is she's lower third mm-hmm. and above it you see the mirrors whenever we're on camera for her. And in the reflection of the mirrors is the violence on the TV. So you see... Oh! Sorry. Wow. Oh, of course. Like, he's, I think he's kind of paying homage a little bit to the evil that's caught in the mirror accidentally oh, early yeah. on when we see Frank Silva. Uh-huh. Um, but but the, it just provides this really cool shot of, like, it's moving in on her and she's watching this. But we're also seeing within the same shot what she's watching because it's being reflected in the mirror that's behind her. In this whole cyclical thing happening. All right, so we head to the roadhouse, which is, I want to say, the first time we saw it in season three? Uh, Yes. Um, And... I still... I'm still curious about... It's very clearly called the Bang Bang Bar. Mm -hmm. But nobody calls it that. Why is it referred to as... Even, like, in Fire Walk With Me, Renault answers the phone, roadhouse, Mm -hmm. like... Why is it called the Roadhouse? Mm-hmm. It's not even like the Bang Bang Roadhouse. No. Like, it, I, it's a question I've always had. Like, the dumbest question to have after Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not but even dumbest, why? but like least 
significant. Significant, right. at least heavy. Um, I, I do not know. I, I'm not going to pretend I do. But I, I like the idea that that neon sign has been out there for 40 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Roadhouse, but they that sign is like part of their history. And, and the same thing of like the Double R Diner. You mm-hmm. see the sign that says like Has Marty's Cafe. It's called the Double R Diner. Diner. Interesting. I think we should put a pin in that idea of what we call a thing is necessarily what it I is. I mean, is it the Sears Tower? Is it one of those scenarios mm, of like... That's a good point. Oh, 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago, it was called this and it got bought by this other thing. Mm-hmm. We still fucking call it the Sears Tower, even though it's the Willis Tower yeah, now. Yeah, you cannot pay me enough money to call it right. the Willis Tower. Right. I just... I that's don't, not I true. Don't even you can pay me definitely that. enough money to call right. it the Willis Tower. But I just don't even remember that. You know what I mean? Hey, like, it's, it's not part of... It's always been the Sears Tower. That's what I'm going to fucking call it. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the Roadhouse, the band Chromatics performs Shadow. Great song. Uh, so this is the first, and if this is your first time through it, first of all, this is really dope that we get to guide you through this, but um, mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of these closing credits over. It ends up, yeah, they, and it's a, a lot of episodes end with a live performance mm-hmm. at, I remember when in like 2014 or whatever, when they dropped the cast list. Okay. Do you remember this at all? No. no or maybe not even the tiniest. They dropped like a list of like, okay, here. Was Eddie Vedder in it? Here are like the 40 some odd cast members who are going to be in uh-huh. Twin Peaks season three. And you're reading through it and you see, you know, your Kyle McLaughlin's. Um, your McLaughlin Kyle's. Your Amick Madchen's. Yeah, Madchen Amick, <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, um, Cheryl Lee, Ray Wise. Oh, cool. They're bringing Leland Palmer back uh-huh. somehow. Um Al Strobel. Uh, Al Strobel. Okay, one our man. That makes sense. Grace Zabriskie. Of course. And like um, David Duchovny. Oh, cool. They're bringing Denise back at some point. And I then you start not... getting through this and you're like, wait, Eddie Vedder? Wait, fucking uh, Trent Reznor's going to be in this? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Tim Roth and and uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yeah. Holy shit. Jim Belushi is going to be in this? I forgot Jim Belushi. Like all this. these people, you start seeing this list and you're like, Michael Sarah? What the fuck is this show going to be? <laughs> and I just remember being so fucking like. And you're stoked on it? Excited and curious about like, they're clearly bringing in some of the old schoolers. They're bringing back our Russ Tamblins and our Wendy Roby and. You know, um, Big Ed, uh, Everett McGill. Like, they're bringing in all these people again. Good. They're still tethered to the old series. That's awesome. But holy shit, what are these new people doing What is Eddie Vedder doing in season Why is Eddie Vedder in this with Jim Belushi? Do they have a scene together? (laughs) I want to see it. Like, I had no idea what that... And then in hindsight, you're like, oh, duh, of course they got a bunch of musical fucking guests. And you should have seen that pattern throughout, but you did. Sure, But also, what I think I I really enjoy about your fandom of, of Twin Peaks is that you are... Will you're excited for what's coming next? Yeah. Whereas I feel like a lot of toxic fandoms. I'm going to say Marvel at all is just like, or Star Wars universe sure. is just like anything you do is going to be a fucking disappointment Prove to me. me. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. And you, I think that's why this is a fun fandom for me. Mm-hmm. Is and and just just our relationship yeah. is that like you enjoy it, and there are things you don't like, and there are things you think I mean, there's could be better. So much- odd inclusion in Twin Peaks. 
It's for outsiders. But the weird thing, though, is I can't help but notice how, like, really, really, really white this cast is. That's true. And it's interesting that David Lynch is extremely, like, he he wrote good shit for women when that wasn't always mm-hmm. a thing, which is the 90s, by the way, like, I mean, deeply the, I in mean, our lifetime. Denise is a... Denise is an incredible trans character yeah. that we, that is... And only gets better in the season. Only gets better. And and, and she is deep and interesting mm-hmm. and three-dimensional. And I just think it's an interesting oversight that while there's not a lot of queer relationships sure. in this like it's just interesting what david I, lynch like it's important to him to represent and i would i sure i and to be clear i don't think everything needs to be all things to all people. sure of course um what i will say is a small town in the pacific northwest totally makes sense it would be out it would be a plot point to have black people there but also and not not that they that you can't make no that a plot point you should you or know, you don't or whatever. have to like he doesn't explain why it, there's fucking magic there sure. but here we but are there's there are uh i mean you get ernie hudson in this season you get um the woman who plays jade again there like are people of color you shouldn't be able to like pick them out sure there are people of color but oh jade yeah i remember jade now um but certainly, yeah. But it's just interesting that Lynch is very deeply progressive mm-hmm. in, in a way that I, I genuinely I think that Denise character is one of the more important characters in sure. the last in the last fifty years of, of television. Um, but it's just interesting where his where his inclusion mm-hmm. and again I, I can't remember, like a movie isn't bad because it's all white people or whatever. Sure. It, it's not a, a judgment. It's just an interesting look at like. David Lynch seems to be somebody who wants to tell outside stories. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that doesn't extend to race. Which maybe he's a fucking old white guy. Like, that does not feel like his story to tell. Which I think is he, fair. Yeah, and he draws a lot. As odd as it sounds from personal experience. Okay, I'm listening. Well, like, is he... These are dreams, and these are loose interpretations of invent, uh, events that have happened to him mm. like all of his movies and storyline like and things that scare him and things that like he reproduces them in strange ways mm-hmm. he, what he's been around his whole life is white people sure so I Which is I fair. think drawing from that like and again I don't think anybody right. needs to be all things to all sure people. of course it reminds I, know. Me of, I, I know what you're saying and I and I get it when we, do you remember watching Scare Me and there's a scene which is, Scare Me has become my like comfort watch I don't know why uh, I just think I really enjoy the, the acting uh, Scare Me is a horror movie it's on Shudder and mm-hmm. it's there's a cast of four people total two for the most part and they're just telling each other scary stories in a way that's it is playing with reality I, I genuinely love this movie Great. Yeah, and it's just from this year, um, but it's on Shutter. <laughs> it's on Shutter. But at one point, he's telling the story of the. It's two writers who are writing horror books, and he's telling her the story of this werewolf saga that he's working on. And so he finishes, and his main character is a little boy named Sam, who his parents were murdered by a were- werewolf. <laughs> and she, it finishes, and the the other person is like, "What if Sam's a girl?" And he's like, "Well, I'm writing from personal experience." And she's like the personal experience of being having your parents murdered by a werewolf like mm-hmm. it's just a funny thing of 
what does personal experience yeah. mean to you of just like existing as a white sure, man? Sure, sure, sure. But what's what's hard is that as a if you're a writer or director or whatever for a project like that is the catch twenty two of do you write from personal experience and write it as a white person or do you try and write outside of your personal experience Which and then be like, arise, you, like do you think that that's how women think or yeah. do you think that that's how black people think mm-hmm. you're fucking wrong yeah and you and then you and you bring on that onset so it's safer to. Do what you know to be true. You're ten thousand percent right that that it is safer. And like I, as I've said before, I think on this show, I'm I'm writing a, a novel right now, and it is based on experiences I've had when I was I mm-hmm. worked at a ranch in Montana. But I am working, and mo- uh, there was a couple guys who were Hispanic who were were chefs in in the kitchen where at the the resort I worked at. Um, and I, as, as, while I am writing it, I am still writing the main character as sort of myself as like mm-hmm. a white girl from the Midwest. But I'm trying to expand the group of people who she interacts with because I need to let go of like, it's mm-hmm. not actually me, it's this fictional character. And so I'm kind of playing with race and things like that. But in a way of like, I'm making who was my boss, who was a white woman, I'm making her at least part Native American. And I have done so much fucking research on like names yeah. and shit and locations and would it make sense for her to be in this part of Montana sure. like with her family. All these things. Yeah. And like It's a lot more work because I could just make this person a white person. It's, it's more work. And and the the problem is not only and It's harder. It not only is it harder, if you fail in any aspect, you're done. Like people will call you out on that. And that But I, I And and I don't blame the people for doing that. But if David Lynch is 70-something-year-old white man mm-hmm. makes this, I, I'm not going to fault him for, you know what I mean? Not being perfect. Right. I, I mean, I think perfect, like, what my favorite thing is perfection is the enemy the, of the, the key. The key is, that's, and that's why it's so important to have women and people in color, of color mm-hmm. in high position. Like, you yes. sh- the director should be a black person. The yeah. director should be a woman. The director should be Let a black people woman. people tell their own stories. The director should be a Native American woman, an right. Asian woman, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, those people should be telling stories. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem of all of media is mm-hmm. we're not giving those people yeah. the opportunity to tell well, those and stories. And I think, and I just watched um, that, what was that show I was just tell- telling you about? The Brant- Branton's, Branton? Brant- I have no idea. Um, the... A brand. Fuck oh, Brid- Bridgerton? Bridgerton's. Bridgerton's. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm watching the Bridgerton, or I just finished the Bridgerton thing, and the whole thing is it takes place in like Regency London, which is an an era, mm-hmm. the Regency. Um, so it's where you see a lot of your like Jane Austen type novels. Mm-hmm. But they made a choice that it's pretty much like racially ambiguous. Hamilton. Hamilton's another really good example. But the interesting thing they did with... Like, obviously, these were old, shitty fucking white men. Right. And very few white men are in Hamilton. Right. Um, But the interesting... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the king. The king, a couple of the swing members, the the chorus, are are white. Um, But but it's an interesting thing that's happening because they played with the idea of uh, Queen Charlotte, who's the queen in 18... Ten teens. I my my UK history isn't great. They think she might have actually like had Moorish and ancestry and 
they think she might have been part black and she's played by a black woman in this and it's just like straight up and down like they're black families there mm-hmm. and it's just a nice way to do it that doesn't detract at all if anything it adds interest to what's going mm-hmm. on and like frankly it makes it easier to tell people apart because <laughs> i swear to fucking god in the, in the bridgertons there's well, you have super white guy face blindness. Super white guy face blindness. I might need to see a clinician about it. But there's four children in, in the Bridgertons. It's four boys and four four girls. And there's two younger ones, a boy and girl. But there's three older brothers who are all 25-ish. And I swear to fucking God, one of them had like pointy um, sideburns. The other two could not tell apart. It's like brunette, 20-something white guys. They all look the fucking yep. same to me. God, I'm going to... I thought we were going to really fly through this. We're over two hours. Okay. Roadhouse, Chromatics, Shadow, Shelly. Okay, so we see Shelly for the first time this season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it looks incredible and happy and wonderful. I mean, like, gorgeous. If it's possible, better than she did in the original series. She, she's such a number stunning. one stunner. Stunning. Um, so she's at a booth with her girlfriends. They do a shot, which was like honestly the most realistic shot I've ever seen. It's all of them like, oh, which is exactly right. James Hurley walks in. We haven't seen him since mid season two with a friend who's significantly he, younger. Yes, with a gentleman. He's wearing a green glove. His name is we. His name is Freddie Sykes. He's not introduced to us yet. Right. Um, but he does the thing that Mikey always does when he walks into restaurants or bars. <laughs> That's, I was not. I don't always do, but I want to. I notice it after this. He, y'all, he I'm going ever, to make We go to fucking effort. Chili's. Maybe just because it's post-pandemic, I'll yeah. do it. But anytime I walk in, like I love that they do what they do in TV and movies all the time, where they walk four or five steps into a room, stop, like put hand, like fists on hips mm-hmm. and then just like survey look, look around they a little bit and realm. then go to the bar or whatever like you know where the fuck you're going yeah. especially if it's the roadhouse you've been there a million well, fucking and times especially it's it's just I guess clearly like see. you need to step into frame to be in focus so that the camera can let the audience know and you need, hey it's james hurley yeah, you we need know 37 him. people to be like it's james hurley it's james yeah. hurley it's james hurley um, so he good. another person who aged gloriously. Yeah. Oh my God, he's got a like Honest- short, short cropped hair. Oh, he twelve thousand percent looks better than he did oh, in his twenties. Um, which God, I need to be better. Like it doesn't matter what people look like. I need to be better about that. I, but, I mean, you're talking about TV. Beautiful people is part yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're especially in a freakish town like Twin Peaks, where everybody is beautiful. How did they all get so gorgeous? Yeah. What's in that water? I. But it's James Hurley is. A, a very attractive man now. He's, yeah, he is. Honestly, at most. Are you mo- like getting there with him? Right. <laughs> most of most of the actors from the original Twin Peaks series, and this, they're using the same people. Uh-huh. So it's not like, oh, okay, well, whatever. A lot of them look as good, if not better. Shelley, James Hurley, Dana Ashbrook. Dana Ashbrook. Who girl? Sherilyn Fenn looks uh-huh. great. Kyle MacLachlan looks great. All of these people Lucy. look like they have not aged. They, I, Everyone from the original series a- either died or looks incredible. Well, it's not even that. It's not that, like they haven't aged. I would disagree with that. They have aged, but, but they've they aged age gloriously. Like I'm looking more and more like a blob of skin as I age. <laughs> and they're looking more and more like fucking it's, fashion models. It's unreal it's, it's, it's uh, even really Peggy Lipton looks gorgeous I mean, when we see her later I can't wait till we see that Peggy Lipton um so anyway 
Um, Freddie Sykes, who is her, uh, James Hurley's companion, um, this random British dude who's like in his early 20s, who we'll see a lot more of. Um, he's mm-hmm. checking out one of Shelley's friends. Uh, her name is Renee, according to this. Uh, from the bar, Red. James is checking out. Not Fred. James enters. James is, is eyeballing. Oh, Renee. okay. Not, sorry. Not there Freddy. was there was a dangling yeah, modifier. Think, yeah. That's on you guys. Um, from the bar, Red and Heredas makes eye contact with Shelly. Balthazar Getty. Okay. Uh, it makes eye contact with Shelly while Jean Michel Renault. Hmm. So there's drinks. another Renault. It's, I thought this was somebody's actor's name. Oh, no, Walter. Walter Olkovich is the guy who played Jacques Renault. Is Olkovich the least French name you've ever heard? It's the most Polish name <laughs> yeah. I've ever known. Um, but Walter Olkovich is the guy who played Jacques Renault. Bite the bullet, baby. It's the same actor. Also, looks fucking great. Like, how dare they? Like, there's Is no this what reason happens for, when you get older than Southern no California? There's no fucking reason for Walter Olkovich <laughs> to look this much better than he did in the original Genuinely, series. nobody should be better looking at they age He's got that gray beard. looks fucking great. Ugh. But he, so they basically just, I think, wanted to bring him back. Because he looks so good. And he's like, guys, look at this guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> they wanted to bring him back. They gave him a beard. And, and called him another Renault. So there was like Bernard who got killed. There's mm-hmm. Jacques who, you know, Jean Renault was the other one working at... Um, um, the Red House? No. Oh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah, thank you. Got it. Woo-hoo! One-Eyed Jacks. Took four. Um, all the, there's a whole, clearly a Renault family who's been... Running this fucking town, blessed with good agents. Like, but like they've no, they've been, they've been running this all of the establishments <laughs> sure, of in course. this small town for decades. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of the end. I sort of adore this. The way he chooses to end a lot of these episodes is everybody gathers at this one place together. Mm-hmm. Watches skinny white disaffected it, people sing. It also makes you wonder. The the roadhouse seems like an ethereal, like this weird space that I haven't formed a theory yet. But everything that happens in the roadhouse may or may not be happening. Okay, I'm willing to hear you out. I don't. Theory. It's clearly have baked in right now. I want you to, Mikey. This is your homework. It's literally like I'm putting it in the oven. Like it's not even remotely baked. Okay. But there's there's ideas that like things that happen in the roadhouse seem different than everything else that's happening in this series. Okay. For various reasons to the point where I don't know if they're happening. I don't know if they're happening in an alternate timeline. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I want to say. There's things. I'm not following you, but I'm excited for you to like. And I think I think as we start dissecting them and get into each musical performance and all the stuff that happens during those musical performances, all these things. I think I might be able to flush something out, but I don't know what it is yet. Um, but the thing I wanted to say that I love is that during these musical performances, every credit sequence starts with starring Kyle MacLachlan because that man fucking deserves credit for being, Yeah, he's, a good he's one. the only person in the entire cast who saw and read the entire script is he everybody else only got their scene and they got their scene like a day before like learn this shit 
well, if it takes several takes, that's fine. It was all to be as secretive as possible. Even if someone had leaked this entire script, people would be like, what the fuck was that? I was literally like, just about to say that. I, like, good job, David Lynch. But it was all Lynch. being really, really secretive. You'd and, hate for and, the spoiler of a guy wears a glove to get out in the right. internet. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin is the only person, though, who got the entire script. I am excited. Outside of Mark Frost, David Lynch. Obviously. You know, the people who wrote it probably had the sure. whole script. Uh, I'm excited to, to get into... I'm fucking stoked about this. This is super good. fun for me. I good, hope good, you're good. having fun. Yeah. I'm just yelling. You know I fucking love this show. What? I fucking love this show. I so. know, and I love talking. I'm more excited that you are in interested in it now. Like, I, I feel like you weren't as much before. No, I, I always liked the original show. Fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it was mm-hmm. something that... Like, maybe the way, like, I love Parks and Rec, and you'll watch Parks and Rec with me, but it's mm-hmm. you're not going to, like, delve into anything. Obviously, it's not I mean, the same it's a, thing. Yeah. It, but it's the thing when you're married to somebody, you sort of sure. get into, like, whatever they're into. Just you're making your partner happy, which is a, a big part of marriage, right? Um, but <laughs> but um, there is something I find. So the original show I like, it was a little more straightforward, is... Oh, it's quirky. certainly more linear. Yeah, but and it was quirky in a way that I loved. But now I'm kind of stoked to like, let's fuck it. it again, it feels like I'm back in college. Like, let's dig into, you know, leaves of grass and see what you can find out of there. Mm-hmm. And whatever, what your interpretation in isn't necessarily true, but it's true to you. I, I think that's the important thing and the interesting thing about art is... There's there's very little objective. Uh, no, that's not fair. Some people make an object an objective story. Sure, it's David a to, Lynch. Does. A to B. David Lynch does not, and, and I, he prides himself on. I. That's why he doesn't like to talk about his projects. Is he wants you to interpret it? Not only that, he wants you to interpret it. He doesn't want to inadvertently negate somebody else's reaction to it, which, which is I think wild. is so noble. It is like it, it, like it'll be like oh this really spoke to me because it reminded me of this time. I, well, it's not about that. It's about this. Like, who the fuck are you to to tell somebody's to negate somebody's feeling or reaction to something? Yeah, you know and, what I mean. And I think genuinely, like doing things like that, feel this what we're doing right now. It feels frivolous in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because it is. But, and there's a hundred Twin Peaks podcasts. Yes. Well, I mean, but but genuinely, sure. generally, just sitting down, like let's really fucking dissect this this show, this movie, mm-hmm. this whatever. Um, I I really enjoy the basically to me like humanity exists to a keep as many people as alive as possible which we're failing at currently but b once you get past that idea of like we're going to try to make people survive we make art we tell stories we mm-hmm. we we do something that speaks to people connect on a level that's not yeah and i and that's always what i liked about about you know, being a lit major was like, I want to hear a story from 400 years ago and see how it's relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, to me, this is genuinely the most pretentious thing I'm ever going to say in my entire life. But genuinely to me, like, what we're doing is... More pretentious than the thing you spoke out loud that was F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald's? 
Could you say that again? Just really quick. I just need to. <laughs> sorry, I just need to hear his name again. F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. <laughs> it's possible that I consumed three beers during this podcast. Yeah, they're all lined up like fucking dead soldiers. Um, anyway, like, humanity, the next step beyond your hierarchy of needs, right? Like your Maslow's, do you have shelter? Do you have a dumb dog to take care of? Do you have food to eat? Is telling stories and 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 sharing your experience. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, not to be pretentious, but, like, that's what the fucking point of everything is, right? Like, tell stories... That's why we all love movies. That's why we all read books. And so to me, this is my favorite kind of thing to do is let's watch something that's pretty fucking ambiguous. Is your greatest fear the possibility that love is not enough? Honestly, 10,000% of it <laughs> absolutely is. Yeah. Like, what if my love for our dumb dog isn't enough to keep her alive forever? Oh, Daddy. She's so mad at me. She was sleeping in her bed bed earlier. We put... It doesn't matter. Anyway, God, that got... I crawled so far up my ass to do that. I'm sorry if that was really pretentious. That's that's not... I don't think that's that pretentious. That's... It just feels like... That's just an... Like, realizing the... Art is important. And... I... Okay, can I tell you a dumb story? I I will. Don't... You can't stop me. So... Right after 9-11, sorry, I don't mean to bring everything to 9-11. Hashtag never forget. Um, um, what's her fucking name? Uh, Nicole Kidman won an Oscar mm. right after 9 At the, the the Academy Awards that they had immediately after 9-11. What I would that s- have been for? Uh, it was before the, inter- it would have been the hours, I think. Okay. Is what she won her for her Oscar for, because I think that was 2000-ish. It wasn't Bewitched? Was was not Bewitched, which friend of the family Ken Campbell was in it. If oh, I remember correct, I think so. Oh, I've never okay. seen it. Um, <laughs> but she, so she won for Best Actress. I want. I, I think it's the hours. I could be that wrong. Timing. The time about works right. out right. Um, by the way, my favorite story about the hours is that my math teacher, Mrs. Corbus, uh, <laughs> when people say like, "Oh, who do you look like?" She always told me I looked like Nicole Kidman from The Hours, and I was like. Nicole came in and was wearing a fake nose in the hours. And she's like, but it's still a compliment. I'm like, is it Mrs. Corbis? <laughs> like, is it though? I'm actually still in touch with her. She's a fucking doll. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Gwen, pa- uh, Gwen Paltrow. So Nicole Kidman won this Oscar. And she, I think Nicole Kidman is a brilliant actor. I think she's so good at what she does. When she is in interviews, I don't think she's especially good at Speaking off the cuff, I don't think she's an especially good interviewee. I think she's sure. very good at what she. At she always seems she, confused. Yeah, and it's I. I've always thought, oh, she's not that smart. I don't think she's not smart anymore. I just don't think that her she's especially good at mm-hmm. sure being herself. Mm-hmm. I think she's especially very good at being other people. Um, but she made this speech about is immediately post nine eleven. Not immediately, probably five months after nine eleven. <clears throat> And she's holding her Oscar and she said something about like, it's such an easy question to say like, why are we doing something like this in light of (laughs) everything we've lost and everything? And she literally just said, I think art is important. And I was 16 or whatever when I saw that. And it kind of opened the door to like, yeah, art is the next step up. We survive, we we try to thrive. It's, I mean, we, it's kind of the same thing that happened when, like, SNL 
debated for a long time about when to come back. Mm-hmm. And they brought Rudy Giuliani, America's oh, mayor. But they, but they came back, and they came back, and it was funny, but not as slapstick. And it was the same idea of, like, we still need to do this. And the same thing happened when, like, when they decided to bring, like, it was right in the middle, like, baseball playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what do we, what do we do? Yeah, we gotta come back and like art. I, and I put sports in the same place as art. I feel like they're both as seemingly superficial on the surface, frivolous for sure, but also incredibly important. It's things. It's a topic that brings people together, and you know what I mean. Like, oh, hundred percent. And I people think... talk about, oh, did you catch that episode of Game of Thrones yesterday? Mm-hmm. Or they talk about, did you catch that ball game last mm-hmm. night? Like, they're things to talk about. And I think, I don't know. I, I for me, when my when like my depression, uh, so I suffer. I deal with depression and when it kind of gets heavy what it manifests itself in in is what's the point of any of this <laughs> all of this is dumb which to be fair maybe my depression is just really objective because it's all dumb <laughs> but like that's what we are as humans we like as soon as we can we, we, I think my problem is I think art is once we can make sure everybody's fed and housed then we do bigger stuff which we as Americans have sort of skipped the, over that first the part. The problem is that first part should be a given, and it's not. Exactly. And that's the problem. That's exactly it. And so when I think like, okay, well, somebody's homeless. Why am I making this dumb fucking podcast when all I should be doing with my time is helping right. people? But like, that's just not how shit works. And I donate and spend my time with whatever. Anyway, all that's to say is, I this is, to me, really fulfilling. It is what mm-hmm. I enjoy. Like, I love nothing more than to, like, sit across the table from somebody and talk about this kind of thing. And I'm lucky that I married somebody who has that same... Obviously, we probably wouldn't have gotten married if you weren't into that jam. But, like... <sighs> well, I think there's something to be said. Like, this sa- for the same reason you like talking to someone who's... I've seen, you know, the original series. I don't even fucking know how many times. This season, I think I've seen four or five times through mm-hmm. um and i've reading books and articles online yeah, you're and, deep in and there. Th- like yeah there's one that like as much as you love discussing with someone who's researching and, mm-hmm. and and has theories and opinions and ideas i like talking to someone who isn't isn't idiot. there yet but it's a bring, real fucking idiot. but i want to bring you into that world yeah. i there that's that's reassuring for me to like bring you in and say like oh did you notice this though Mm -hmm. oh shit and like and it feels like i'm doing what david lynch did Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i don't know well and you're i'd say it's more you're bridging the gap between david lynch and somebody like me sure of you have a greater understanding of what he's doing can you guys hear the drag racing that's going on behind the mire near us i hope you can all right i think we should probably wrap it up because it is is two and a half hours did we get to the end and yes 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 yes. um i did want to talk a little bit about the band that's playing she has the best do you know her name the 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 singer uh not offhand so a thing i noticed chromatics are great though they're great and this is a band i used to love working to 
like when I was at work and just needed like music in the background that's like the kind of chill and keeps you going. Chromatics are great for that. I'm trying to find the singer's name. Oh, Chromatics. Ruth. Her name is Ruth Rab- Rattlet. Adam Miller. Johnny Jewel. Nat Walker. Um, Johnny du- Jewel does a lot of like solo synthy type stuff too. I there. Th- this is the first time we see it, and we see it a lot when. <laughs> When David Lynch brings in musicians, he seems to have a thing for like bored, attractive white women. <laughs> Wait till the next episode. I know that is that. Or, the, maybe it's two episodes. Whenever the, the or, three or women. Or Simone. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not even it's not whether the charismatic or whatever. But this girl, she was like mod as fuck. She had these like tall bangs, mm-hmm. so like nineteen sixties, perfect with that kind of ruffle shirt and like dead eyes. But a beautiful voice and like... Well, and there's something... Like, that's part of what adds to what I was talking about, my theory about what space the Roadhouse occupies. Mm. Like, because everyone's also kind of like, just sway... Like, there's a crowd there for the first time ever. We never saw a crowd in the original series. And they're just like... Swaying. Well, we only ever saw that one band with the woman with the yeah, shag Julie, haircut. Yeah, Julie Cruz is yeah. the only band we saw. But um, but they just like, it's always empty. The roadhouse is always empty. They're using it for fucking a courtroom or whatever. Like, yeah. they're like leasing this out for other things. And now it seems to be filled for like concert venue shit. Well, like Twin Peaks has expanded into sure. like a Portland type thing of like, but, oh, like, all of a sudden people are just like so like entranced by whatever's playing in the. But Shelly yeah. and her table weren't. Yeah. They were doing their own thing. Anyway. Okay. Well, it's been two and a half fucking hours, which means I have two and a half hours less to write my great novel, Michael. Sorry. Okay. Um, boy, oh boy. I'm pretty, like, fucking stoked to do this for the rest of the... Oh, Mikey's dancing. Um, any lingering thoughts? Anything to leave people with if they watch the next episode? Um, no, I, I think the next episode is... Super Lynchian and great. Good nose. Don't remember it. Um, but if you are somebody who's watching this for the first time or pushing this on somebody else for the first time, we'd love peer pressure in this family. Um, watch see episode one and two together. Together, like a feature. This season three, watch them together. They belong together. It's we broke them up for this just to whatever but i think it should have been watched together they belong together okay okay well uh thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this and it wasn't a nightmare for you and we will talk to you next week at least this one seemed more coherent than last week longer but you we were coherent yeah or? like I, I feel like i, I was know. i was rambly i feel like last last time in a way that didn't really make a lot of but sense. i think lynch brings that out in people I, yeah, I think maybe. there's something about Lynch that like just kind of uh, gathers scattered thoughts. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay, well, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.